Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello and welcome to Talking Movie, the podcast where six friends try to see more and learn more about film while not trying to step on each other's words. I'm Brian. As always, I'm here with Chris. Hey, everybody. And we're joined by a special guest. Wait, two. No. Oh, my God. There's four of you. It's the Talking Comics crew. Say hello, Bobby. Hello. Hello, Bob. We're sick friends. What were you saying? (laughs) Um, Stephanie Cook. Hello. <laughs> and Steve Say. Great start, Brian. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. You're always uh you're you're always a good friend. Uh, <laughs> Throw me in the pool uh, again, why don't you? <laughs> you we'll we'll talk about that later. Moving um, on. This is a very it's a very special episode today. We're um we're kind of joining forces with our I mean we, we say it's a sister site, but we're really just the the the, the yearling, you know, the, the, the little pup that's uh being nurtured by um the talking comics monster and uh bobby wow. thank you very much for having us uh pull up christian slater and pump up the volume on your show Damn. Oh, Damn. wow Damn. nice um very welcome brian this is very weird that i'm not controlling everything so i'm gonna i take like a volume or something to make sure that i like <laughs> the jitters go away yeah, some game of thrones ale is taking care of it's everything true. taking the edge off <laughs> But yeah, I mean, this this show really wouldn't be in existence if it weren't for talk, talking comics. So um, we we wanted to do a little bit of synergy. We wanted to do something um, combining both movies and comics. And the Amazing Spider-Man Two came out this week, and it's huge. It's big. Um, it's breaking uh, worldwide records. It's it's going crazy. So we decided it was a good time to get everyone together, and we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Um, we're doing a normal show, but we have a lot of people to talk, uh, and we're doing gonna do a little different stuff with uh, a little bit of comic stuff so if you're a movie listener who's used to us kind of just going through the motions we're gonna add a little something new um for you and these guys <clears throat> talkingcomicbooks.com you can get their show if you're uh not accustomed to it there is that is that right bobby am i, am I correct yeah you're that? right you you nailed the website <laughs> i did i did that oh this is gonna be fun yeah um so, so yeah um, we're there we're somewhere we're there so, uh, yeah, Bobby, Stephanie, Bob, and Steve have been doing Talking Comics for a while. Uh, Chris and I have been doing this show for a, a little bit less time. And uh, we're just going to kind of go in right into the two-minute spill, talk about what we've been doing, what we've been watching, reading, all that stuff uh, this week in the world of media. Chris, you want to go first? I mean, you were uh, on vacation. You had a lot of time. I did. I was on vacation in St. Augustine, Florida which, uh, for those of you who don't know, is actually the oldest city in the United States. Ooh. Bob oh. knew. I knew. Chris, Bob I knew. knew that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, was, I fell asleep. <laughs> uh, I think that's great fact. That's Anyways, fact. I've been there a couple times. And, uh, yeah, so I didn't get to really uh, venture 
all that much into the world of media this week, but I did see two movies. Okay. Um, both of which I've seen before, but also both of which are favorites of mine. Uh, I watched the Coen Brothers film True Grit uh, <laughs> for the second time, which I love. And actually, last night I revisited uh, Christopher Nolan's film Inception. Okay. Which I, we had a long conversation at my folks' house last night about dreams, and I couldn't. Ironically, couldn't sleep last night, so I felt inspired to watch that film, which uh, I also really enjoy. So, so this this was once you got back, or this was on the trip. Uh, I watched True Grit in Florida. Okay, awesome, Bob. Great job. Uh, can I ask? I'm gonna Bob. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, but you'd seen them both before, so I mean, did anything change for you? Were you like, I love this thing more, or? Were you just like, I, I'm happy because I'm watching this? I I started watching True Grit because it was a free movie uh, on the Xfinity. <laughs> and, uh, you know, Josh Brolin was in it, which is the, the character. The, cor- the, cor- the cornerstone <laughs> of talking movies. Yeah. Right. Josh Brolin. Oh, okay. Once, yeah, See, for us, another... it's Fastbender, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, How many times have you seen Shame, Bob? Which one? The original Shane or the, the TV no, remake? No, shame. Or... shame. It's a movie where you see Michael Fastbender's. Oh, Little Fastbender. Oh, never. Shane, <laughs> Shane was Alan Ladd I've seen a lot. But Shane, no, I've never seen. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, Inception's one of those movies, I, it, no matter how many times I watch, I always pick up on new things. And uh, related to this week's episode with, with, with comic books, mm-hmm. uh, I watched the bonus features, which actually has a comic. I don't know if any of you guys have seen it. Um, no, I haven't, actually. There's a little, no. sh- there's a little short. It's a comic book short. That okay. is based on Christopher Nolan's characters in Inception, hmm. and it's on the bonus disc. It's like a, about, it's like a web comic sort of thing. Yeah, it's about. Uh, it comes on the bonus disc mm-hmm. in, in the Blu-ray package, and it's maybe only twenty minutes long, but um, hmm. it's very interesting. It's and there's a. Uh, I, I own that package, so now I'm. I'm. You angry. should definitely watch it because they <laughs> I missed that on it. Yeah. Um, Help me out with the actor's name in Inception. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Please no, tell me no, 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 no. no. Um, Gordon. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Right. He put together a documentary. Cool kids call him J- uh, JGL. Yeah. Okay. JGL <laughs> put together. A, no, they, they don't. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> anyway, I, I need to pass the mic here soon, but I just wanted to say that he put together a documentary, you know, where they interview all these mm-hmm. different dream specialists and Christopher Nolan and all the cast and stuff is. Very interesting stuff. If you want to analyze dreams and how they uh, how they uh, affect our perception on reality and everything, it's just it's crazy. Cool. I love that movie. Bob, what about you? Oh, gee. What, <laughs> sh- what should we talk about? No comics, because this is a movie show. I was going to do comics, but well, not. It's all. It's also a comic show. It's, it's, yeah, it's cross- well, not for tonight. Cross- not for tonight. <laughs> I'm going to go all Phil Rizzuto and talk about birthdays. How about that? There's a reference nobody gets. You, you can't talk about sports. <laughs> Why not? You mentioned because it's a movie show, Bob. Okay, if I want to talk about Field of Dreams, all right, that's a good crossover. Talking sports, talking sports. We have to have one of those. Yeah, I won't be on it. See, Brian, Brian, I'd like to say Brian's a baseball fan, but he roots for the Mets, so that just oh, even I know that that's not right. Uh, I just want, I just want to point out. All right, no, no, no. you haters can just chill because the National League East is the best division in baseball currently. There's no yeah. team under 500. Yeah, we'll see how long that lasts, Brian. Uh, Mets have I'm, a great, I'm, I'm, I'm great three future. or four days. But right. <laughs> um, you know, the, the Braves have lost seven in a row, which is fantastic. 
for you thank me. my Giants. We just swept them in Atlanta. <laughs> mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I am. I am a baseball fan, but uh, it, it, it is a hard life as a Mets fan. But they're coming back, and they'll be really good over the next ten years or so with all those young pitchers. So it's going to be fine. Now we'll no more sports. No more sports. I Birthday promise. time. Birthday time. <laughs> As we record, May 6th is actually Orson Welles' 99th birthday. Frozen peas. Now forget the frozen peas and the poor man trying to, you know, terrible commercials to make money. Filled with vitamins and, and green and penis. Look, everyone certainly knows, you know, that Citizen Kane was on the top of all those sight and sound polls for 60 years until overturned mm-hmm. this year. But it's, it's the ones, the movies that he was made. Was it Vertigo? Is it Vertigo, Vertigo that took it over? Took, took it over this year for the first time. Okay. But it's those movies that no one knows. He did a brilliant version for next to nothing of Kafka's The Trial with Anthony Perkins. Shot overseas in like deserted factories and apartment complexes. Absolutely brilliant sort of pinpoint shadow play things going on. No sets, no actors. Was that the sort of thing where like 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 Macbeth where he had like worked on it for years and years and years and then could never get it? Well, no, that's Don Quixote. Don okay. Quixote couldn't get finished. Macbeth, he shot on the Republic back lot in the, on the Western sets in about a week and made the best Macbeth that's ever been filmed, <laughs> amazingly enough. So The Trial, if you can find it, with Anthony Perkins and Jean Moreau. Uh, I was lucky enough to meet his daughter over at our Cinema Arts Center some years ago. We had her to sign my, my book. And according to her, her father's favorite movie of everything he did is Chimes at Midnight, which is Shakespeare... Hmm. Melange, I guess you would put it, trying to be French and saying Shakespeare. On the cover, but it's, it looks it's, like Hordor from Game of Thrones. Well, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, Henry the, it's Henry V and Falstaff. It's all those plays put together. There's a great battle sequence, and this was shot for about a buck and a half. But he was such a brilliant director, he could find the shots he wanted. When he was shooting things like Don Quixote, he was traveling around Europe. In his luggage was a window. Mm. And he'd set up a window on a ledge and shoot through it. I like that shot. I'm going to take that. I'll use it somewhere else. So anyway, Chimes at Midnight. And his second studio movie, which was butchered by RKO in the wake of the Citizen Kane disaster, it's Magnificent Ambersons. 45 minutes cut out of it and the ending ruined, and it's still one of the greatest achievements in American cinema. It is just I, a staggeringly what amazing is this? movie. What is this? The, the, the Magnificent, Magnificent Ambersons. Wells. Yeah. Ah, yes. It's like what he followed up Citizen Kane with, which yeah. I've never seen. Oh, cool. Citizen Kane? But, no, no, he, he's oh, saying he hasn't seen Ambersons. Ambersons. Oh, you got to see um, Ambersons. He's not in it. He directs solely, but just a beautiful mm-hmm. study of small America and how it changes as the modern age begins with automobiles and how it changes the towns and the people and the culture. And it's just really brilliant. So magnificent mm-hmm. Ambersons. The other birthday was May 4th. May 4th was Audrey Hepburn's 85th birthday. I was wondering when you were going to get there to this. There we I go. Thought- Everyone... Everyone, of course, knows Breakfast at Tiffany's and My Fair Lady, Roman Holiday, Sabrina, all those great ones. But she was more of an actress than just this romantic comedy thing. And the couple I'd love to talk about here, one is, Brian probably knows this one, Robin and Marion with mm-hmm. Sean Connery. Yep. With a uh, yeah. bittersweet, lovely... 76, I want to say. Yep. 20 years. She, <laughs> she had retired for 10 years to raise her children. Mm-hmm. She decided that it was more important than being a movie star came back for this lovely script that she had something her kids could see. And it's after the Crusades, Robin Hood comes back, and it's Sean Connery. Uh, Nicole Williamson is his uh, little John. Robert Shaw is the sheriff of Nottingham. John Barry, tremendous, tremendous score. It is bittersweet and sad and utterly romantic and just absolutely 
beautiful film that not many people know anymore. But Robin and Marion, what do you think, Brian? You've seen it, I guess. Well, it was one of the most boring movies I've ever seen, but I was seven. <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. So, it's not for seven. So there's that. Um, I, I, I remember there being like a, a, a cheese factor to it. But again, it's, it's, it's literally over a 20-year-old memory of mine. So, okay. so um, rewatch it. Yeah. Who, who directed it? That is Richard Lester, if memory serves. I yes, like it Richard is Richard Lester. Lester. So there's that. There's that. The second movie that she was nominated for the Academy Award for this, Fred Zinnemann's The Nun Story, which after that I have not seen. It's after a string of romantic comedies and musicals and whatever she wants to do something serious. It's a story of a woman uh, in a very, very strict order of nuns who all she wants to be is a nurse. Her father's a surgeon, wants to do that work, and discovers that the religious order takes precedence. She is hounded and pressured into lying about how good she can do on a test to not do the job she's supposed to do. She's beaten and oh, it's just terrible. But the, the triumph is she gets to do what she wants, which is help kids in Africa. And that really, Audrey at the end of World War II nearly died of malnutrition and was saved by the original version of UNICEF giving food to the children, whatever. And seeing those kids in Africa while making this movie, that's what drove the end of her life. I'm way over my two minutes, but help no, no, you got to deal with you got to deal with it. It's me. For the, for those of you who've never heard Bob before, <laughs> um, if you want an oral history of anything, oh, thank you he so has much, it. Brian. Yes. Uh, so um, just know that. Well, well, everyone knows that's what Angelina Jolie does now. Audrey Hepburn was a uh, representative for UNICEF, traveled the world to war zones and famine areas, and so on. Her last movie is Steven Spielberg's Always. Which yeah, I she adore. She, right. She had retired at that point, and they needed someone to play an angel or God on Earth. And so he contacted her through agent and said, well, you want to do this? No, I don't work anymore. I'll give you a million dollars. I don't care. I'm not doing this. I'll write the check to UNICEF. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She took nothing and gave it all to charity. So that's the kind of person she was. So we need to celebrate her career and her her as an actress and a humanitarian. The last one I want to talk about is Two for the Road, which is Stanley Donnan. Oh, that movie's awesome. Yeah. It is Albert Finney. It's the young Albert Finney as opposed to the old one we see now. <laughs> and it, That's how people work. <laughs> Thank you, Ryan. Thank you, Ryan. I was on a roll there, but now I'm on a toasted rye. Um, moving. <laughs> so sorry. You've never heard that joke before? It's pretty soon I'll be on a bagel. Yeah, yeah right. No, yeah. This is great to pull it out now. Yeah. <laughs> It just happened. Yeah, It's a movie that takes place. It shows the relationship between this couple. They're, it seems like they're at the end of their marriage. We flash back to when they meet, when they're dating, when they're just engaged, when they're first married, taking car trips across Europe. It flashes through all these different time periods with lines that resurface back and forth and now said in a different way that now are just utterly sad this is bittersweet romantic wonderful wonderful movie that not many people know and it's two for the road by stanley donnan well i'm not one of those people who knows it because i thought you were talking about two road together <laughs> that's good so, too but she's not in that though she did scratch, do a, scratch what i said earlier she, she did do a western though she did the unforgiven oh the original With, one no they're different oh they're different eastwood's is unforgiven hers yeah. is the, uh, right. the unforgiven which was actually a tragedy for Miss Hepburn because she was riding a horse, got thrown, broke her back, had a miscarriage. Oh, Ooh. my God. Jeez. 
Yeah. And then on, a high, note, totally, yeah. on a high note. No, but then she retired for a year, spent a year in bed rest. So she, she, all she wanted to do for, with her life really was to have children, mm-hmm. to be able to give love to other you people. Should just, you should just totally like kidnap me for a day and show me all these movies you're <laughs> talking about. Not a problem. Look, I feel ignorant. Not, I've never not seen, a problem. <laughs> I've never not seen any of these, but they all sound like fascinating, you know, and uh, but, but, I'm just not familiar welcome with Welcome to having any conversation with Bob. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, w- Brian and I and Bobby and our friend Jackie, we were doing a movie podcast years before. And my job when we started was to sort of be the old movie guy. And yeah. Did we call it Bob's Corner? Yeah, yes. something like that. And the first <laughs> movie or the second corner. Yeah. One of the first things I put out there was Roman Holiday. Mm-hmm. And when we went to talk about it the week after, uh, Bobby led our, our conversation, and my heart sank as he started to talk, because it was well. I put the movie on, and I was doing my laundry, and I was ironing shirts. And I'm going, great. Yeah. So I, I gave him this movie to watch. He didn't even watch the thing, and then he said, no, then, then he said, and then I said, listen to what was going, on, and started watching the screen, and I couldn't take my eyes off what was going on, Aww. and now I understand. Why everybody loves Audrey Hepburn. Nice. Yeah, that was eye-opening for me. I, I, you know, I, one of those people who always knew the, the thing, right? I always heard the thing, but never understood it until I watched that movie. And then I got it. I saw the charm and, and, the, and the, uh, the relatability and, and the emotion there in a person. And it was, it was a pretty revelatory experience. I have never seen she's, an Audrey Hepburn movie. Yeah. Well, she's so beautiful. Like, to me, I love her so much. Bob and I have email conversations yes. about, you know, like, seriously, just... Audrey Hepburn and um, to me like the dictionary under elegance should just have a photo of Audrey Hepburn she's so perfect like she's just such a perfect example of a celebrity that you know people can look up to like an icon a perfect icon like if you opened the dictionary and you looked up the word perfect and it said see also Audrey Hepburn yeah yeah <laughs> And interestingly, she herself thought she was funny looking. Mm-hmm. She, there's a famous story where I think it was Billy Wilder's wife, or no, it was Yul, Hep, Yul Brenner's wife, uh, said to Audrey, well, it must be so wonderful to wake up and be you in the morning. And she went, no, this is, the studio does this. I, my neck is too long, my teeth are crooked, my head is square, my feet are big, and it's just, it, no. <laughs> and, and, and Mrs. Brenner said, oh, stop. She went, okay, I'll prove it to you tomorrow morning. She came to her house on the way to the studio in jeans and a T-shirt and a babushka and sunglasses with no makeup on and went, see? And she went, shut up. Just, just <laughs> go to the studio. I understand what you're saying, but it's just still, what you're is, starting at a better point than the rest of it. What is a babushka? A scarf. Okay. It's just <laughs> German for <laughs> scarf. The subtext there was a scarf, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's the way Bob just said that. He's like, a scarf. It's as mean as Bob gets. As politely as possible. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Steve, Steve, what about you? Uh, what have you been doing this week? Well, this past weekend was free comic book day. <gasps> oh, uh, well, this past Saturday was technically yeah. free, free comic book day. And uh, I had a hell of a free comic book day. I spent Saturday morning at Tour Comics. Uh, got to hang out with Rob and Rachel and Darren and uh, all of our friends down at our regular comic shop. How did I miss you? When were you there? I was there from uh, before we opened. So like 11, we opened at noon uh, till about maybe one thirty, almost 2. We must have passed each other on the street because I got there just around All right. when you left. <laughs> sorry about that. No, it's fine. Go um, ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, Steve was actually actively dodging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I behind the rack. I see, I, see, I see you enough, Bob. It's all right. 
I didn't expect to run into you on, on Sunday. So, it was kind of yeah. awkward. Um, so it wasn't. So, yeah, so I got to hang out behind the counter, do our thing, uh, talk to a couple people, show some books around, and make some suggestions, and watch everybody paw into the pile and mess up all the books, and then I put them in nice, neat piles, and they just got messed up two seconds later. Oh, you should have hit them. Ugh. So, anyway, so that was a lot of fun, and then uh, I dodged out of there because uh, it was getting crowded. Uh, but the following day was pretty awesome. Uh, I'd had a really bad morning and decided that I needed to do something to pick to perk me up. And so uh, I went out with my friend Brendan. We went shopping for a couple things. And he was like, hey, I'm going down to Escape Pod Comics in Huntington uh, down in the village. And Amy Reeder and Brandon Montclair, who are the artist and writer of Rocket Girl, are going to be signing at 6 o'clock. Well, I said... Hooray. <laughs> I'm going to go grab my books. Uh, so I went home, I grabbed my books and hoofed it out to Huntington, got in the door and they were right there. They were just hanging out. And um, I got to spend like a good like half hour just chatting with them and talking. I got to tell uh, Amy Reader about the business cat comic <laughs> and uh, Steph, she was actually wearing a cat dress. So I told her that you would approve. I would. Um, they they are they are very they're very talented warm and friendly people. Uh, we are now following each other on Twitter and <laughs> commenting back and forth. Lots of fun. They signed my books. They signed a couple of nice posters. Um, Escape Pod Comics. I'd never been there. Really nice store. If you're in the Huntington area and you're downtown and you're looking to just stop in a really cool shop. Very, very nice setup. Really nice vibe. Uh, and they have a kids section. Yeah, they do. They have a yeah. kids section in the back. How cool is that? Very cool. Yeah. Awesome. The There's got to be a show called Escape Podcast, right? There might, that's, yeah. that might be. That's a good one. <laughs> there has to be. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Brian. We got it. So, uh, so I, and I look in the back, and of course, in, on the shelf in the kids section, the first thing I see is Molly Danger. So I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. Like mm-hmm. they, and to, to their credit, um, they had some really nice sales going on. I managed to pick up uh, the fifth Beetle, and I finally, finally got my very own copy of uh, The Adventures of Superhero Girl, yeah. which I have by Faith Aaron Hicks which I have since reread and I enjoyed it enough the first time I enjoyed it a thousand fold the second time it just gets better it is so funny and so good uh, I recommend it to everyone it's printed by Dark Horse Comics um, Superhero Girl also uh, appears in the book I talked about last week True Patriot but seriously if you can find uh, or order yourself a copy of The Adventures of Superhero Girl it is a hysterical all ages book that is gonna it it will make you grab your stomach with laughter there's ninjas there's cat monsters there's superheroing there's bears just with monocles bears with monocles <laughs> it is it's just it is the ultimate it's one of the ultimate comics that i just i love if i'm if i'm in a cruddy mood i pick that book up and i'm i'm laughing so now you said you liked it a lot a thousand fold the second time around yes i liked it a lot more hmm. i'm a big around. advocate of the of the second time around theory which for me, Brian and I have talked about this mm-hmm. before, mm-hmm. and sometimes he disagrees with me. But I well, think everything I mean, in in life deserves a second chance. You I, know, the the comic book you read, the movie you watch, yeah. the, the restaurant you go to. So often, the second time is the most is the best. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you this. I mean, we'll get to it later. But I really wish that I'd had a second chance to watch the Amazing Spider-Man too, because we'll get to the first impressions uh, <laughs> a little bit later on. But um, I don't want to run too long here. But uh, but yeah, no, I, I do agree with you. There are many things that uh, I've gone back and I've reread it. And I just, 
have a much better appreciation for it. And I think there's also something for having the the layout and the bones of something already in your mind and then rereading it. You kind of get to yes. appreciate aspects of it that perhaps you overlooked because you were too busy concentrating on trying to comprehend the plot and keep everything in order in your mind. And you don't get to really extract the the nuances and just the, the richness of character and stuff like that. And Superhero Girl is just a very, very rich character and, you know, reminds me of Stephanie to a T. <laughs> so applying that to the character, it's just, it it's closer to my heart and I, I love it. Yeah. It's just, it's fantastic. But um, I just want to give a quick shout out for uh, Ed Brisson and Johnny Christmas's Sheltered number eight. Uh, for you guys that are reading this, it's from Image Comics. Holy crap. Uh, this book has been really, really good from the start. Issue number eight is the issue. Uh, for if in case you don't know, this is a about a group of kids that in a pre-apocalyptic story, uh, their parents have created a um, like a, a, an encampment. Their whole area is uh, preparing for this apocalypse that they believe is coming. And in a twist, the kids, a couple of the kids in the group, end up killing the parents off and pretty much taking over the whole operation. And there's only a couple of them that know what's actually going on. And this is the issue where everybody, everything comes out. Everything is, fingers are pointed. uh, People are outed for things that they've been doing that only the reader has known about. Now everyone knows. And now people that were on one side or on the other, people that were so sure of what was going on are now in doubt. Um, it is super, super, super intense. I wish that this was an episodic, uh, like cable television show or something, because it's perfect for it. Hmm. Uh, I would not be surprised if something somebody snatches this up and decides to do that. It has that cinematic flair to it. Um, like I said, it's been really great the whole way through, but this issue is like the bomb that went off. It's hmm. awesome. It's crazy that there are really people that do that. Yeah, that they're apocalypse preparers, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that, totally. that, that they get ready for an impending doom that they, they expect yeah. to come at any moment. Yeah. Yeah. Like they, you know, they're it's uh, almost like a, like fanaticism yeah. where they, they believe that this thing's coming. And, you know, the way that the people that are convinced that it is going to happen, the way they talk about it as a reader, you know, that it's so far fetched, you know, that it's ridiculous, but there's still that little piece of you, that little voice in your head that is like, what if they're right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, what if the people that I'm, excuse me, that I'm rooting for and that are doing the things that I would be doing, what if they're wrong? What if I'm wrong? Mm. You know? And and so they're really playing up the mystery of that now in this issue. And it was one of those things where when it ended, I was like, I got to the last page and I was like, no, <laughs> I need more. It's fantastic. Mm. Um, and for my, uh, my final book that I want to talk about is, uh, Deadly Class number four from Rick Remender. Uh, and I will get to the, I can't find the artist. Help me. I don't know. Craig? Isn't his last name Craig? Craig? Yeah. It's a, uh, I thought, I think you were just saying West? a random no, uh, boy's yeah. name. Yeah. Uh, Craig! Writer, writer, co-creators, and artists, Rick Remender, Wes Craig, Wes Craig. and colors by Lee Lowridge. Mm. Um, okay, so... Every every week on Talking Comics, uh, Bob and I present our favorite comic book covers of the week. And when I was picking my covers, I chose the cover of Deadly Class Number Four because I saw Las Vegas in the background, the look on the kids' faces in the rear view, and I was like, I love this cover because it totally reminds me of Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. 
this issue is, if anything, a love letter and a send-up to Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas through and through. Hunter S. Thompson even makes an appearance inside of the comic. Uh, he's, you know, ambling through the hallway of the of the hotel. Uh, they go to Circus Circus. They uh, they sniff ether. They do coke. They smoke weed. They like the setup is uh, Marcus, the main character. He has failed a very important initiation test. Uh, it's basically it's a school spoilers. of what spoilers. No, I'm I'm being pretty vague. It's not spoilers. No, it's not spoilers. <laughs> Um, the book, if for those that don't know, what? Stop! Stop derailing me. Hold on a minute. Um, the it's about a group of kids that are uh, inducted into this uh, assassin school, and they're given a test uh, as their initia- initiation. Marcus fails his test and is basically sentenced to detention. And the kids basically sneak in and they grab him. They're like, "Detentions for chumps. We do this all the time. We're going to Vegas." And they've got a you know briefcase full of drugs, just like Fear and Loathing, and they hit the road with Def Leppard as their soundtrack. And it is all-out madness. Like I said, they go to Circus Circus, uh, which is a, uh, a spot in the movie. They do all kinds of things. There's really cool character development. The art is absolutely just spectacular. Uh, it's funny. It's all the reasons that I'm reading it. It's super, super colorful. And, uh, I mean, by the end of the book, you can, you can point out at least 15 different things from Fear and Loathing, which is uh, still to this day, if I had to pick two favorite movies of all time, it would be The Big Lebowski and Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So this you was... You love 1998, don't you? Yeah. <laughs> um, See, the line right there should have been... You know, my two favorite movies are Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. And just left it at that and just been really out there. People would have gone, what? What? But, um, yeah, I mean, having, like, knowing every line from that movie, knowing every scene, every angle, it's as if they were watching the movie as they created the comic and chose certain angles and chose locations and just the whole vibe of it. Um, When I saw Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, I was sober as can be. When I left the movie theater... I was jacked. I actually had to sit in the uh, parking lot for about 20 minutes before I could drive because I was so disoriented from just the camera work and the cinematography and everything going on in the movie. And I'd never in my life had a movie hit me like that before. Nothing else ever has. Um, It's a huge reason why it's one of my favorites. This comic is just like that, where I read it, it hit me from the side, and by the time that I was done with it, I actually had to take a break from comic book reading because I was so, like, I had that same feeling from all those years ago, and it was just wholly satisfying for me. So that was Deadly Class number four from Rick Remender and Wes Craig. Uh, and, and that's my spot. That was Steve's 13-minute spill. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm You're being very really generous. Doing it right. <laughs> Brian, I told you we were going to blow up your format. No. <laughs> Uh, well, Bob, Bob did send me a uh, an email earlier today that that, that made me crack up. It was uh, well, we were talking about what we do, kind of you know the format and this and that, and that you know we talk about what we've been seeing, what we've been doing, and Bob sends me like a list of all these weird things, <laughs> and I was I just replied with I hate you, yeah. <laughs> and. And it wasn't until like a few minutes later when Bobby said to me, why do you hate Bob? Yeah. <laughs> that I realized that, he, that Bob was being completely serious. <laughs> and I felt immediately bad. <laughs> and, um, sorry. And, uh, apologize, and, which was no, lovely. 
Well, no, no. Your reply was basically, I know you hate me, yeah. but I'm asking, like, what do you want me to talk about? Oh. <laughs> That's good. Um, but no, the, the thing he said was uh, that, you know, j- just listen to your After Hours episode, and you guys have a great chemistry and a lovely streamlined format. I'm so sorry that we're going to blow it to smithereens <laughs> in a couple of hours. <laughs> um, but we still got a couple, uh, three more people left to talk. So, sure. uh, Steph, you want to go? Sure. I'm not going to take up, you know, 15 minutes. Spoilers. I knew that it'll it was be, two it'll minutes. Be a solid 11.5. No, so, so I totally, like, read the format and heard that it was two minutes long and prepared as such. <gasps> you don't prepare so, for our show. I know. Ever. That's because, you know, I'm a regular. So there's That's a good true. chance you're not going to boot me off. Right. Um, Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah. See? Look at it. I'm professional, guys. That's not true at all. Ignore that. <laughs> and don't hold me to it at all. You're already, Anyways, you're already past two minutes, by the way. I know, but I'm not talking about things yet. Oh, things. Anyways. With words. So, um, Bobby kind of was like, oh, we should talk about other things outside of comics, too, since this is stuck in movies. So um, I was going to bring up uh, the new TV series, Fargo. Um, and I've been watching that and enjoying it so far. I've been doing, like, recaps for the series. And like I had to rewatch the movie Oh, After like the third episode, because somebody had like posted something on my recap and was like, well, you missed this thing with this thing. It was a subtle like thing. That's a thing that happened in the movie. And I was like, what? So then I had to go sit back and watch it. But um, for anyone who hasn't heard of it, FX is doing Fargo, the TV series, which isn't really a sequel. It's just kind of like a spinoff. But now they're kind of starting to incorporate little bits of the movie. Hmm. Like, for instance, um, for anyone what? who's seen the Coen Brothers film, um, it there, there's the briefcase of money. Okay. Right? It's still hanging out somewhere? Yeah. Well, they kind of explain what happens to it. Now they're starting to. They, they, they've just sort of um, begun to solve some of the mysteries that, you know, we don't have answers to. And it's cool. Like, I, I was like, how could this possibly be a series, you know, based on the movie or like a sequel? But it's not. It's just kind of, you know, its own thing that happens to have like these references. And it has the same sort of mood and tone as the film. And it's that dark comedy that the Coen brothers are really known for. And big, quirky characters. Like nice. the bad guys are um, like these two gangsters from it doesn't actually take place in Fargo. It takes place in Bemidji, Bemidji, Minnesota. What happened yeah. to Brainerd? Bemidji, Minnesota. Eh? Yeah, yeah. The the movie doesn't doesn't really no. take place in Fargo either. No, just no. like one scene. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there's there's these bad guys that are from Fargo, and you know one of them is um, a deaf. He's deaf. So you know, like they have these scenes where they're trying to be tough and kind of extract what they need from uh you know so and so but they're having like sign language conversations and the guys are just like what what (laughs) and so you know it's kind of these ridiculous characters that you would expect from a coen brothers film but it's an anthology though right it's going to do that sort of like 13 episodes and then they'll recast and regroup next year sort of thing i thought that's what you were doing um i don't honestly know i I mean, I know the first season is 10 episodes, and I'm pretty okay. sure it's like a mini movie. Like, it concludes because uh, this is a story in its entirety. And Mar- Martin Freeman 
is the lead uh, along with like Billy Bob Thornton. Um, so, I mean, I can't see this particular storyline carrying on after that. So I right. imagine it would be like an well, anthology. And you, like and you don't get Martin Freeman or Billy Bob Thornton for more than 10 episodes of the clip. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it'll resolve right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I've watched four episodes now uh, and like, it's pretty, it's pretty on track to be kind of, you know, things are going to blow up and come to a head by the time, you know, the season's over. So I don't know. I just thought I'd put that out there. If anyone was interested in checking it out, it's, it's really good. I'm really, really liking the vibe of it. And if you are a fan of the movie, I think you'll take the show too. I, I'd like to say that uh, I'm a huge fan of the movie Fargo and uh, William H. Macy is just so awesome in that movie. Mm-hmm. If anyone listening hasn't seen that movie, I mean, well, my girlfriend has an irrational hatred of William H. Macy. And also, <laughs> has she seen mystery men? Come on. He is so <laughs> good. in Fargo. She <laughs> also, she also can't stand Martin Freeman doing an American accent, Martin- not because he's bad at it, but because it's disingenuous. It's weird. It's like he he basically is just Bilbo. He's American Midwest Bilbo. Loser Bilbo. Yeah. yeah. He's like, but that's how he acts. Like it, it's kind of mm-hmm. like when they cast him, they were like, well, we basically just want you to be American Bilbo. You hate everything. You don't want adventure. Are you, say, you, are you saying that this happened? That, that they, <laughs> yeah. there was yes, this conversation? I'm sure it did. There, there well, were agents. Yeah. They, <laughs> we want American <laughs> Bilbo. <laughs> Maybe I don't know, but that that was my interpretation of it. You know, because he just kind of acts like, you know, he he isn't doing a much of a stretch. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't cool. know. It's it's good. I like it a lot. And I mean, for anyone who says Canadians like have ridiculous accents, you do. Thank no, you they to don't. go like to Minnesota or watch Fargo. That's the most ridiculous accent ever, people. I think oh, both those so things good, are eh? how's, how, how's your day? Oh, hi. Wow, it's so cold. No, that oh, just oh, sounds so like you. That sounds no, like Canadian you. Shut up. The no Canadian accent you. differs from area to area. Yeah, it's a huge country. Yeah. <laughs> well, fair enough. <laughs> Some of it's French, French people. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, no one likes uh, that. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't just say Starting that. a war. That I'm not prepared to finish at all. Yeah, um, Bobby, mm. it, it is your time, sir. It's my time, huh? Um, so I'm going to talk about one comic. It's going to be my time! <laughs> I'm going to talk about one comic. Uh, it's a comic called Southern Bastards. It's, this is from Image Comics. It's uh, Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. Creative team. It's number one from Image. And it's a story about a man returning home to his home, hometown in um, in Alabama. And things have gone... Uh, rotten in his town. Um, he he's the son of a, a f- very famous sheriff there, a very famous lawman who protected the town with just a club on his from on his front porch. You know, one of those nice kind of like these like Gran Torino, yeah, like <laughs> Gran Torino type of thing. Get off my lawn! Hmm. And he left because he just never he never really he never liked the town. And he's come back because um, the his uncle who's been watching the house is in a nursing home and he can't function anymore and he needs to sell the house, get rid of it. And he goes back and he kind of steps into something that he wasn't prepared for. Um, I'm a fan of Jason Aaron, uh, who did a long run on Wolverine and the X-Men, obviously, and he's doing Thor right now so good. at Marvel. And Jason Latour did a, a really nice uh, run on Winter Soldier, the one after um, the Brubaker run stopped. So I'm a fan of both the guys, and 
reading the book, you know, I wasn't sure what to expect. You know, the image comics, you know, they run the gamut from being somewhat supernatural to being slice of life to being whatever. And I wasn't sure what this was going to be. I, I had I assumed for whatever reason that it was going to be seemingly realistic and then with a hint of supernatural, but it's not that it's very realistic. Um, I mean, realistic tweaked reality, mm-hmm. but no, nothing supernatural about the story. No aliens, no, no powers, nothing. And the South is a place that I don't know that much about, uh, but have never really uh, had a desire to know more about. Um, <laughs> and that could, you know, that that that's that's painting with a broad brush, which is obviously not a not a great thing to do. But what I thought was interesting is both Jason Aaron and Jason Latour are from the South, and and they write about it in the in the back of the book in a letter, and they talk about how they love the South, they love um, how quaint it is, how. Um, authentic it is, how how quiet it is, how much more polite it can be. But they also they also but they hate the fact that there are these people here, like these southern bastards, is kind of what the, the title is about, that ruin it for the people who who live there who are, are awesome. Um, well, it's like us with a long, with a Long Island. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. I think it's probably true with any place, you know. But they, they know the South gets a bad rap for 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 that particularly. And this book, I think, it aims to address the, those things, like the the dichotomy of the South in itself. And I thought it was great. I mean, I think that the character, the main character is very well drawn, both um, in prose and in visual and his story to me, you can feel it. It's this, it's kind of that classic. um, I was out and now I'm back in kind of situation. There's obviously something very, very, very wrong with the town in which he lives in or which he comes from. And he could have gotten in and gotten out without any trouble, but he's a good person and something bad was happening and he stepped in much like his father did in the past and it's going to kind of rain down on him. Mm-hmm. So uh, the ending leaves you with kind of, you know, this moment of this guy is in some deep shit and then we, we're going into issue two. Um, really, really cool stuff though. I, I, I didn't know what to expect, but when I finished reading it, I, I was really, really happy uh, about it. Yeah. So Jason Aaron, Jason Latour, uh, Southern Bastards, number one from Image Comics. And uh, the other thing I want to talk about, and I mentioned this to Brian on the phone before we did this. I was like, I want to talk about something I haven't been watching that much stuff, but I I did start watching the show House. Oh, yeah? Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's so random. Yeah, it came on Netflix, and my, my fiance is a huge fan of that show. I and, like House. And so I hadn't, I hadn't seen it. I'd seen an episode here or there, uh, and she was watching some random episode that she loved, and I, I watched it, and she'd been watching a couple of them, but this was one episode that I started watching it, and I didn't want to, you know, get up. I wanted to finish the episode. So the next day, I was like, okay, I'll start from the beginning. And I started watching it, and um, it's it's pretty awesome. I mean, it is formulaic, especially in the first two seasons. They they kind of first season and a half, I'd say. They run how many like, how many seasons are there? There are eight of, seasons, Chris. Okay, so <laughs> yeah. that's quite a quite an undertaking then to get to. Yeah, it's a lot of them. I'm on season. I'm in the middle of season three right now, cool. and I've been working on it. Yeah, I've been working on it, and. <laughs> I dig it. You know, I, well, first of all, he is amazing. He's fantastic. I love the Sherlock Holmes nature of the character. <laughs> um, he says, the, the thing is he says, you know, it's such, it's such, it's, it almost feels you know, like they, they know, they, obviously they know, like when he says these things, it's, you're going to, you're going to make you like him. And you, cause, cause part of you wishes you were kind of like him, right? That you didn't, you didn't have any of these social graces that you would just be like, you're an idiot. You know, whenever, whenever you wanted to say that. And it's kind of like a almost like a fantasy, I think, like laying out like a personality fantasy. But what I love about it is, I first of all, I love that it, it's it puts an importance on being smart. I think it's it, that's awesome. I think that as the seasons have gone along, they've started expanding it more into kind of his life outside of the hospital, 
which I find um, very intriguing and, and it breaks up the kind of guy comes to the hospital, patient comes to the hospital, something's wrong with him. We think it's this normal thing. It's not this. We think it's this really crazy thing. We try to cure him for that. We almost kill him. The last second house figures out, no, it's really this other really random thing and they cure him. That's kind of the, that's the main kind of format of, of an episode. And there's, there's some times where you're watching episodes and you're like, they're like, we got it. We figured out the cure. And you look at the timing of the episode. You're like, you didn't figure out the cure. <laughs> there's still 20 minutes left in this episode. You've got at least another 12 minutes of this guy almost dying before you figure out what the hell's going on. So that can be, that's not, I have fun with it. So it doesn't bother me. Um, and I think it's also a function of watching it binge. You know, yeah. it's not really a show I think that's meant to be watched in, in binge format. It's very much a, you watch an episode a week and those for, that kind of format doesn't bother you because it's not on your mind, you know, right, right, yeah. mm-hmm. from, right from 20 minutes ago when you finished the last episode. You wouldn't want to watch 12 Columbos in a row. Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's one of those shows, but... My father would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, it's, but it's also a... It's just, it's just so... It's very well written. It's very well shot. He's amazing and... I'm just into it, you know. I just, I, I just, I keep, I keep wanting to hit the next episode every time it's over, and I know it's like crazy random, like ten Wait, years you feel, later. You feel bad about it though, in a weird way, right? You, you, yeah, you do a little bit. Like I, I watched eight, four episodes of House, and I feel like I didn't, I didn't do anything as, <laughs> as like watching any other show would feel like you're doing something, you know. But because it's not some big story show, I feel like I'm not like investing uh, as much as I would. But um, no, I loved it. I love it. That's what counts. Yeah. It's no longer being talked about at the water cooler. It's not. No, no, no. Like, did you see last night's house? Did you see f- eight, eight years no, ago's no, house? No, Can you believe no, what Omar Epps ago. did? Can you believe what Omar Epps did? I can't believe he disagreed with house like that. You know what? This is a commercial for Netflix you're doing right yeah, here. See? True. I can talk about last year's water cooler shows right now. Yeah. We can start it all up again. But uh, yeah, I've been loving house. Great stuff. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to keep mine pretty short to the point. You're going to make up all the time we took away Yeah, from Brian's you? like, I'm done. <laughs> no, 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 that was it. Okay. <laughs> I, um, well, I started Weight Watchers on Friday. Congratulations. So, and, and my point in that is that now I'm taking to the treadmill mm-hmm. and doing one episode of something a day, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm, finally gonna, I'm finally doing Battlestar. Oh, Ooh, nice. Yeah. It's happening. You're going to be Bob, very happy for three years. <laughs> wait, wait, for three seasons. Want... For three seasons. Oh, I was like, I'm not going to watch one every month. Yeah. <laughs> and Brian, where we left off, though, weren't you weren't you watching House of Cards before? Or I watched you... House of Cards in about 18 hours. Okay, so you already yes. did that. Okay. Yeah. And we can't talk about True Detective. Because... <laughs> talk about every week. Every week. As a fan of the show, I'm tired about hearing True Detective. Because <laughs> yeah. you haven't watched it. You don't know. I know. <laughs> I, have, well, I haven't seen it either. So. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, it but I, I watched <laughs> one of my favorite movies this week, and uh, it's 1987's The Untouchables. Ooh. And I've, I've said this before. I don't know public, publicly or not, but I don't think that's the best movie ever made. <laughs> but if somebody said that to me, I would not correct them. And Brian, who is the director of The Untouchables? Brian De Palma. Ah, you know, yes. I won't say it to you. <laughs> Did he you not- are so weird. <laughs> that movie is perfectly wonderful. And you just hate joy. <laughs> Did Brian De Palma not also direct Scarface? He Sadly, did. yes. He did. And that movie is terrible. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so that's, The Untouchables. Sorry, the movie is, is, is not good. <laughs> but, Untouchables, um, you're right. Bob! <laughs> <laughs> 
Bob, what's your opinion on Scarface? I like the one with Paul Muni a lot. <laughs> He's talking about the 1932 Howard yeah. Hawks. Okay, okay. Yeah. See, yeah. Once again. 1983, De Palma, Scarface, go. Uh, look, Al Pacino, who is a really good actor, two and a half hours of him doing Ricky Ricardo is just, I can't stand it. It just, I understand the update of it, but it's uselessly violent and stupid and badly scripted and badly acted by a cast of really good actors because Brian De Palma's a hack. There, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> Wow. Well, it was written by You're Oliver a son Stone, of a so. bitch. <laughs> <laughs> the master of suspense. Yeah, the master of somebody else's suspense, anyway. wherever he can steal anyway. from someone else. If you haven't seen The Untouchables, it's it's available on Netflix. Check it out. Make it's, your own choice. Yes. Yeah, that sounds like a trick. <laughs> like, I don't believe Bob when he says that. He's like sure. the, guy, the guy at the end of The Last Crusade. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, watch oh, watch the Untouchables and your I brain withers away and you die in a pile of dust. And Bob went, Bob appears and goes, "You chose poorly." I remember yeah. that from the pinball I, machine. I was at a um, I was at a uh, co-worker's house a couple days ago for like a happy hour thing, like a, like a pre uh, Kentucky Derby thing, and they're making these mint juleps, and Ooh. he's got this a like, goblet that's like <laughs> silver and, and 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 nice, you know, nothing crazy but nice, and um. He's he's like you're not going to drink out of this because he's like mixing with him. Like no, I know. I, I I just figured if I did, I I would have chosen poorly. Nice. And he looked at me like I was a crazy person. Uh, see, I'm like, I, I'd have smiled and the, broadly. And the man, the man was ten years my my senior. I'm like you, come on, come on, dude, get with it. I was five years old when that movie came out. Do do your job, man. Like movies, as a person, do your <laughs> as a, job as a person. No, All no right. Last Crusade by heart. So, uh, so that's been our two minutes, Bill. <laughs> the twenty-eight minutes, Bill. Which, yeah. to be fair, should have been twenty-four. <laughs> no, twelve. Twelve. I, I tried. What's, what's math? <laughs> I tried to lead by example. But... No, it didn't work out. <laughs> when I'm involved, You're, you hit the wrong show <laughs> combined wrong, with you guys. Show. I did. I did learn a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll, but, I'll also throw in, by the way, you, I listened to your After Hours show. Color of Money is something you'd like to avoid, too. <laughs> well, you're going to be sorely disappointed because <laughs> okay. we're, uh, we're thinking we're going to throw that into the mix. Okay, do, we'll yourself, talk- do yourself a favor. And okay, watch The I'm Hustler. A, call right, because I'm a huge fan of Martin Scorsese and Paul Newman and all that sort of stuff. And I, you, as a person, as that movie was being made, who better to do a sequel to a gritty urban black and white drama than Scorsese and he's got Paul Newman to come back and he makes an MTV confection with you know cameras I on the pool think, balls and the rest of it it's just not what it could I don't have been. think there's any possibility that you have seen that movie since you saw it in 1986 you'd be wrong <laughs> Don't, okay, don't, don't, don't challenge Bob. I have tried. No, I have tried I, Chris's. I have ch- I'm, I'm, I'm open I, to being right. wrong. I have <laughs> tried Chris's second time around, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it didn't help matters any. Mm-hmm. I saw it in okay. the movies, saw it on video, <laughs> and uh, no, Robert Rosson's Hustler is just one of the greatest movies ever made, frankly. I'll tell you what, I would give After Hours a second time around, though. I love After Hours. I've been hours. thinking about it Big ever fan. since I saw it. it, it, it gets, and and it, uh, Bobby actually had mentioned this to me uh, that. When he listened to our show, yeah. it sounded like we liked it more as the show went on. Yeah, it sounded, yeah. you guys yeah. started out being like, "Yeah, it's okay," and then by the end, you guys were like laughing and like talking about moments. Bobby, that have, you, have you seen it? I have seen it. Yeah, yeah, I, I love it. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> Paid money to see it in the theater. I watched it in, in a film school class in, in in grad school, and I yeah, I loved it. It's so it's hilarious. It's hilarious. You know? Yeah, oh, it's great. Love Marcy. Love you know yeah. Roseanne Arquette's Marcy. It's just so bizarre. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great well, movie. Well, there was a point where Chris looked at me. He's like, I know her. <laughs> and, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's like, he's like, she's the one with all the shit in her face, <laughs> like from Pulp Fiction. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with that, I guess we're gonna go into uh, a comic book review of the yeah. Amazing Spider-Man number oh, one. Yeah. So we're right. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Changing gears a little bit. Yeah. Again, a little crossover. Keep the keep the crossover going. Keep the kids happy. Keep the kids happy. Um, Bobby, you want you want to kind of lead the way with this? Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So this is like my little like little like my I'm in detox. This is like my it's little your, dose. It's your homily. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, Amazing Spider-Man Two came out obviously this past week at, at in the movies, and we're going to be talking about that in a few minutes. But in, by no mistake, <laughs> uh, the, the Amazing Spider-Man Number One, the, the Marvel all new Marvel now relaunch of Spider-Man, came out the same week. Now, for those of you who Maybe you're just talking movies fans and you haven't been following the comic book world for the last about year or so. Um, Spider Man has not been Peter Parker, he's yeah. been Doc Ock. Doc Ock brain switched with, with Peter Parker. It's a comic book because thing. comic books, Deal with it, yeah. um, as Justin Townsend would say a couple weeks ago, because comic books. And he he did it because he was dying and he wanted to have a second chance at life. And he decided, um, and at the last moment before like Peter was extinguished. He kind of passed along to Doc Ock a bunch of his, a bunch of the reasons why he became Spider-Man, like the, the, the tragedy of why he became Spider-Man, and Doc Ock felt this need to then become a hero. So, but he wanted to be the better Spider-Man. So there was this book, this kind of t- about a year long called The Superior Spider-Man, where it was Doc Ock in the in the body of Peter Parker, and he essentially was a hero, but did things kind of his own way, alienated some people, hurt some people, and. In the in last month, or I guess two weeks ago now, uh, that series wrapped up with Peter regaining control and coming back just in time for the movie, of course, because <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to not have Peter Parker. That sounds coincidental. Yes. <laughs> and apparently what they said was, what, what uh, with, uh, editor at Marvel said to Dan Slott, who's the writer on this book, said, you can do the Spear thing, you can, have, you can do it up until Peter comes back for the movie. So it's, it's pretty cool. Um, but Peter's back now, and we spent about a year or so without... You know the wisecracking guy without the fun-loving guy, um, but we had a lot of really interesting storylines. And if anybody's listening to this who isn't a comic book fan, who thinks that sounds interesting, there were it was a year of really, really good Spider-Man stuff. Yes, really daring stuff, really interesting stuff, um, a really cool change of pace. But now it's, Peter is back, and we have this giant size issue that came out, Amazing Spider-Man number one, which is part, which is mostly a story, uh, the next story, the first story of this Amazing Spider-Man, but also a bunch of smaller stories, kind of. T- wrapping up different storylines, introducing new storylines, and also um, kind of giving lead-ins to other books that are in the Spider-Man universe. Um, I, I'm interested to, we're going to talk about but I'm interested, Brian, um, yeah. as someone who, you know, you were a big comic book fan, you haven't been reading comic books, you know, for, for a while now. Right. Um, the last Spider-Man you read was actually Amazing Spider-Man no, number 700. 700. Yeah. So um, you it's, have a unique perspective. Perfect. Yeah, you have a unique perspective. Uh, what did you think of Amazing Spider-Man number one? I had a great time with it. Um, I thought that, well, for, I mean, like you just said, I've taken a lot of time away from comics and uh, like, what was that, a year and a half ago? You know, a year ago, whenever yeah. I um, 
well, no, it's got to be over a year ago, I think, mm-hmm. is when that happened. Um, I have the same problem that Peter has. I don't know what Doc Ock did. <laughs> right, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's my me- memento disease. Um, <laughs> so basically, uh, I thought it flowed very well. I thought that the, um, the, the idea of having him back and knowing that people had been suspicious of what, what Spider-Man was now. Like, I, I don't know. I, Cause I don't know if, if Doc Ock did bad things in that body or what he was doing that made people pissed off at him or there's that probably just being himself because mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a maniacal genius. Right. Um, but like there's that, there's a moment in the book where a ridiculous thing happens to Peter and the character says like, how do you know it's him? Because no one else could have that happen to him. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> and I just laughed my ass off with that. I thought mm-hmm. it, it was um, very true to the spirit of who Peter Parker is. And again, we'll get to this later when we talk about the movie. But like, you know, we all love Spider-Man for sure. But we love Spider-Man because we love Peter Parker. Right. And, and I guess a question I have when... Bob, you kind of chimed in a moment ago when Bobby was uh, asking about, uh, was explaining about all that, that, you know, yeah, it's been a good year, this and that. I would imagine that you would hate, 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 hate the concept of Octavius taking over Peter's body. That you think that was so disingenuous to the spirit of Spider-Man that how could they do this and I'm going to boycott the book. And I'm not trying to, like, paint you as a cynic. I'm just saying that you are... Oh, no, no, no. I know you that. are. I'm, just, yeah, I'm okay. not trying to paint you as one. Okay. <laughs> you do it well on your own. Thanks, yeah. um, but I would I would imagine that you would be like, you know, fuck this book for a while. <laughs> you know, like, I'm done. And then this return to form, as I believe it is, like, I had a great time with this story. Um, the questions that Peter has, like, who are these people? I just learned I had this company. What is going on? <laughs> you know, I, I very much feel that... Um, know inquisitiveness that he has but also the i have to keep up appearances like the the the, the anxiousness of that, that peter is going through is very apparent in the book like, it doesn't kind of uh assume anything it it's obviously a jumping on point it's number one you know it's meant to do that um but they i think they succeed in it mm-hmm. oh yeah those moments where he's in his lab and it's i'm a doctor mm-hmm. well yeah i guess i am and repeating every sentence is yeah Hil- in hilarious yeah yeah don't stop doing that. Just stop doing <laughs> do, that. Do something once. Good. Do it twice. It's, better. Three it, times. Genius. <laughs> it is charming and funny, yet there's still gravitas to this because there is a problem. There are fences to be mended with te- ex-teammates and friends and family and all the rest of it. As to the book, I had given up Spider-Man 20 years ago when it was the clone saga and they told me that the last 15 years of stories I read weren't Peter Parker then. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So I not only gave up collecting, I sold off my collection of Spider-Man books. All you, of pay, you paid a guy to take it? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, no, I hate I, this so much. <laughs> nearly so because what I got was not what I would have if I had you know gone on eBay or something. I just couldn't have him in the house. Or literally just, no, you, you took my money under false pretenses. I'm done. When we heard at the convention two years ago, or two conventions back, that this was going to happen, we all said the same day we heard the announcement, well, of course he'll be back for the movie. Mm -hmm. 
So it's, it's a way to tell interesting stories in the same way that Captain America died or Superman died. And in their absence, you then understand why you miss him and why he's so important to the universe and what Peter Parker as Spider-Man holds together for all these other characters. And whether that's the human torch just laughing at him because he's wearing a pair oh my of God, underwear. That, yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is their relationship that goes back into the Silver Age, mm-hmm. is that they were always at each other. This is the perfect recapitulation of what Spider-Man and Peter Parker as Spider-Man is about. I love this issue. Hmm. Steve, what cool. about you? I know you're a huge Spider-Man fan. So, Oh, I mean, what a, the triumphant return of Peter Parker, what was not to love mm-hmm. about it. Um, it's amazing how, how happy I am to have him back, you know, after, after him being gone for a year and change to come back in such an like uproariously funny issue and to have that comedy back mm. that for a long time Spider-Man the mainline Spider-Book has been very serious and we've been watching the the dismantling of a character's life that we all love. Um I like that the issue continues to pose a lot of really great questions moving forward uh wondering what Peter's going to do with his company, wondering if he is truly going to li- uh, leave the Spider-Man uh, tech behind, or for better, how is he going to now get around that when he's promised so many people that he's done with it? How is he? How is he going to move forward with that uh, character's really cool uh, villain? It was um, ve- um, who was it? Not ve- not Vengeance Moth. Um, <laughs> Skein. Skein. Is it, well, Killer, Skein. it was Killer Moth. Killer Moth. Killer Moth. Yeah. Uh, really cool power set. I don't really remember her, mm-hmm. uh, but she's able to like dismantle threads and then use them against her her foes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it winds Peter in the in the hilarious thing that, that you know the hilarious situation that he ends up in. But uh, some really cool villains: um, a hippopotamus dude, a panda woman, and a rabbit, and <laughs> pandamania. Just, yeah, they're the menagerie. Like, like yeah. cute and fun and bright, and it's just it's a total it's a total one eighty from the seriousness and the you know just the the harshness of the Superior Spider Man. And, you know, we talked about it, I think, an episode or two ago, how the last issue of Superior Spider-Man broke me. And it was actually the first comic to actually make me shed tears, whereas this book had the complete opposite effect on me, where I was smiling and laughing the whole time. And I think that was the whole point. Mm -hmm. That was the goal. It was to give the reader, if you stuck through this and you went the whole journey and you, you you had faith in the character and you enjoyed yourself... This first issue was like the payoff. This was the big bang that like Peter's back. You're welcome. And I I really couldn't be happier. I really want to know though, Anna Maria. Mm-hmm. I have such a, a a deep love for this character. I am so afraid for her. I do not want her heart broken. No, I know. I'm worried about that. I really am. Yeah. I, I I never would have Never would have expected that, that of all the things. And I'm curious as to what's going to happen with uh, J. Jonah Jameson. He's, uh, he's in a bad way. And uh, I just, now that the story's over, there's so many questions and there's so much more that I want to know. And I'm just so happy that Dan Slott is remaining on the title. They're giving him, you know, they're letting him keep the keys and drive this thing into however long, into the sunset, whenever he feels he's done. 
because I couldn't imagine if somebody was like, okay, when Peter comes back, we're going to switch things up a little bit. We're going to put another guy on the book and, you know, we're going to let somebody go with a different tone, brand new direction. And no, this was, this was Dan Slott's vision. This was his plan. This was his thing. And I just spectacular, spectacular uh, start to a brand new chapter in the character's history. And, I love Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys said. Um, but actually, before I go, I want to throw it to Chris, because, Chris, I don't even know if you've ever read a comic book before. <laughs> um, but I know that uh, Brian handed you, I think, handed you a copy of Amazing Spider-Man number one, and I wanted to know, kind of coming out of completely cold, uh, what you thought about it. Well, I do have a past, past history with comic books, um, I with uh, Wolverine comic books in particular, uh, I actually own um, Wolverine, Marvel Comics Wolverine uh, issue number one through like 125 wow. or something like that. Nice. Uh, yeah. Um, and also a bunch of random Marvel Comics presents. Uh, everything I ever purchased was just Wolverine. That was <laughs> my thing. Um, but this and, and it's one of those things that I revisit every few years because I've kept them in like mint condition and every now and then I'll pull one out and read it. And I, it's funny. I was talking to Brian about this. I'm like, man, I bought these when I was, you know, 15 years old, 14, 15 years old, being twice that age, going back and reading them and thinking to myself, you know, how did I possibly even understand what these were about (laughs) (laughs) back then? Because they're really good storylines and they're very engaging and they're very complex on a lot of different levels. Um, I did read the comic book (laughs) that we're talking about right now. It was the first time I ever read a comic off an iPad before. Hmm. Um, Badass. Which I was totally into. I was like, man, I'd love to see the, the, you know, some of the comic books I have in my own collection on an iPad. That'd be very cool. Um, it was okay. I mean, just listening to you guys talk about it and also just kind of diving into this whole thing. Uh, you know, I saw, I saw the film today. I read the comic today. So it's kind of overwhelming mm-hmm. uh, to just be put right in the middle of the whole scenario. Um so it's t- I don't even really know if I've developed um, much of an opinion yet. I had no idea that there was as much um, kind of uh, comedy and lightheartedness in the whole thing. I found a lot of that. Welcome to Spider-Man. Right, right. I'm not <laughs> that's, used to that. That's the, that's the joy of it. Yeah, yeah I'm, not, I'm, I'm not used to that kind of mm-hmm. style um, as far as, uh, you know, cinema is concerned. I'm more, I really enjoy... Once again, Christopher Nolan's work with like Batman and stuff like that. I tend to like darker things mm-hmm. um, on, on, on a subjective level. But uh, I thought the comic was great. I mean, I, I definitely chuckled a couple times. I thought the artwork was fantastic. And after seeing the movie today, I did see uh, some similarities b- between the, the, the stylistic aspects of the comic and the movie mm-hmm. um, in, in the storyline and with the characters. So. Um, it was pretty good, you know. I, awesome. That's I just I, I feel bad though because I feel like I'm not nearly as deeply connected with this with this comic as as you guys are. No, but that's great, man. It's yeah. good to get that opinion. You know, we we very much often get into you know the insular opinion of people who live and kind of breathe <laughs> comic books. 
So it's cool to get the opinion of someone who, you know, obviously you, you have read comic, comic books before. You've been you're, you've been a fan of comic books before, but you're yes. not steeped in that world. So you're coming into a completely cold. So it's a cool opinion to get. You know, it's not a completely uninformed opinion. You know stuff about what you're getting into, but it is an opinion coming without you know, two years of waiting for this moment to happen and, you know, 25 years of loving the character or, or whatever. So it's it's cool to, to, to see that and to hear that. Um, exactly. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut no. you off, but, I, I, you know, to me, I guess if there's any criticism that I would have from an outside objective is that, you know, there's a certain degree of what I would consider to be kind of cheesiness or corniness kind of involved in it, but I get that and I can appreciate that as well. I mean, I'm a huge fan of, you know, Bruce Campbell and Bruce mm. Campbell movies. And that's kind of what his whole thing is about. So I think after seeing the movie today and then watching their, I'm sorry, reading the comic, I started to understand that it's supposed to be that way. Mm-hmm. And um, it, it, it kind of began to appreciate it a little bit more by the end of it. So, awesome. I mean, I'm all good with it. Awesome. I think I just realized one of the reasons why I loved it as much as I did. Um, is it Humberto Ramos? Yes. Right, I loved Impulse, <laughs> and he drew Impulse. He did, yeah, on with Mark when Mark Wade's run, yeah, he with, did with Mark Wade, yeah. And and, and I, I think there was an unconscious connection there mm-hmm. where I was like, this reminds me of when I was a kid, yeah. <laughs> you, you know, yeah. once again, reading comics on iPad though is like revolutionary. Like to me, flipping every page, I was going, man, I I, I want to read some more comic books. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. On an iPad. <laughs> That's awesome to hear. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I uh, I loved it. You know, it, it it all the reasons everyone said it. It's fun. It's bright. The art by Humberto Ramos is gorgeous. Um, he he just I love his version of of, of Spider Man, and you know, he's kind of this rotating. It's him and Ryan Stegman and Giuseppe Camoncoli, these artists that kind of rotate through the Spider Man stuff because it, it comes out so quickly. No one can really ke- keep up with doing every single issue, but. I thought it was great to have him back. It was great to have Peter back, you know, and it, it's great that he's, they start out the issue with him with, with that kind of, you know, web, web underwear on. Cause it, it throws you right back and you don't have to, you're not getting like the scene with Peter getting ready to go back out and, and, you know, getting himself like steeled up and he's just, it just starts you right in the middle and then it goes back and shows you how it happened. I thought that was a really good idea. And we were talking about him being sarcastic and it, it, it reminds me this whole issue brought back the, this moment in just a couple issues ago, superior Spider-Man number 30, where, um, or it's 31, I think it's actually 31 where, you know, Pete's back and, you know, but no one can tell it's, it's just happened. And he encounters the green goblin and the green goblin says something and he makes some crack at the green goblin. And it's just like this close up of the green goblin's face. And he says, you, <laughs> he knows he's back just mm-hmm. given the way he talks. Yeah. And I, that was one of those moments where I was like, it is awesome to have this guy back. And this whole issue was that. I thought all the backup stories were interesting. I, I don't, I think that um, the art on a lot of them is great. I like the electro one a lot. I like the Black Cat one uh, quite a bit. Um, I thought the Chris Eliopoulos, like, kind of very kitty one. Like, this is what this is who Spider-Man is. This is what I do. One was cute. Um, yeah, and I like the Spider-Man 299 one, mainly because I'm really, really excited for that series. The artwork yeah. for that by Will Slotty was great. Yeah, it was. It was. Um, and I actually liked, I liked all of them. I liked the catch-up with, like, who Kane was and Scarlet Spider stuff. I thought that was, was a cool little piece as well. Um, so overall, yeah, it was, it was really awesome. Amazing Spider-Man number one. Brian, cool. back to you, Mr. Host. All right. Um, well, normally we would do a box office report uh, going into our feature, but and, and we are. It's just going to be really boring because there's nothing going on. No, 
every movie made one million dollars this week. <laughs> wow, <laughs> with the expect the exception of like three. So your top five right now, Rio two did seven point seven million for a total of one hundred six in the number five slot. Captain America, we have now two superhero movies uh, in the top ten. Dropped fifty two percent to seven point seven million in its fifth week, up to two thirty seven. So I think a, a, a two sixty end is uh, in sight for Cap, which mm-hmm. is awesome. world worldwide. It must be uh, well, maybe double well, that. No, uh, it's like it, seven hundred fifty million right now. I think worldwide. Yeah, it's wow. crazy. Yeah, it's yeah. Kind of, um, Heaven is for real. Uh, only had a forty percent drop to eight point six million in the number three slot, up to sixty five million. Wow! P- people be loving the heaven. <laughs> yeah, it's for real. <laughs> for real, this heaven is it's not for not fake. Real, it's it is. It is for real. real. Yeah. Um, I don't know if only, anybody you guys follow what? Rob Delaney on Twitter, but I can't. I, I he annoys the shit. Out he of did me. this thing where he was just posting random pictures, and it was like it was really weird hashtags about heaven is for real. There were, it was it was really funny. It was a really funny couple of days. Okay, I'll I'll look into it. But I unfollowed him. You remember yeah. what you said about uh, Stephen Weber mm-hmm. on Twitter? Yeah, like you can't follow him because he's just disgusting. Yeah, I felt that way about Rob. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, he just bothered me. Mm-hmm. Um, the other woman, which was number one last week, uh, had a forty-one percent drop. Not bad at all. Fourteen million in its second week, up to forty-seven million. So, uh, mm-hmm. yep. Female audience is being tapped that people are not taking advantage of. Mm-hmm. Um, it's awesome. I want to see it because I think it's going it's to be with uh, Cameron, Cameron Diaz, Diaz and uh, Leslie Mann, who I love. Mm-hmm. Nice. She's great. So that brings us to The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number one this week. Nobody upset. had any doubt of that. It, it eked. Eked by. What? It eked by at number one. Oh, it eked. <laughs> I, I thought you were doing a different language. No. <laughs> I was like, eked by. <laughs> We weren't to German. Yes. Which is I something mm-hmm. in German. Um, 91.6 million for the uh, for the three days. And this is our first week of the box office fantasy ah. league being in order. Um, yeah, cinematic Nick must be pretty happy right a, now. He, well, I saw <laughs> The Amazing Spider-Man 2 with Nick. And, oh, okay. and he was like, look, I'm not going to win this thing. This is the first time and only time I'm going to be in the league with anything. So I'm just happy. Mm-hmm. So Dan Sims and uh, Nick have forty-eight point three million right now for their uh, their totals, and Lenny, who has uh, who had Walk of Shame in one of the packages, has a hundred and five thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So um, this is going to get more interesting as we have more movies mm-hmm. as yeah. the summer goes on. But Nick, you can feel uh, happy that you and Dan are tied for first. Right? <laughs> yeah. So with that, we're going to head into the feature presentation of The Amazing Spider-Man 2. We'll be right back. Feature presentation, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, which just opened in the U.S. In, on May 2nd, but it's been out in the U.K. and overseas a bit um, for about two weeks. But we got to see it this weekend. 
all of us did. We're very excited. We're Spider-Man fans. We're movie fans. And it is uh, the big thing right now. It's uh, taken over, you know, again, 91 million, we just said. Um, it's a big deal. And I really want to know, I know what Bobby thinks of it, I think, but I don't know what anyone else thinks of it. And since I know Bobby, I want I want to go to you first to have some familiarity. If you All can right. tell me your thoughts on The Amazing Spider-Man 2. So, um, there are things, and we should say, right, Brian, I don't think you run it this kind of way we do. We won't do any spoilers, and then we'll do like a spoiler warning. Yeah, and we're, we're going to do, do a spoiler warning probably, you know, 15, 20 minutes from now, whatever. Um, and once we tell you that, it's time to say goodbye to the show because we're going to continue talking in that manner for the rest of the, of, of the podcast. So yeah. if you haven't seen it yet and you don't <laughs> want to know what happens, um, that'll be the point to say goodbye. But for, for now, we'll, we'll keep it general. Yeah, Typically, the film has to be 10 years of age. Which is tough when it, when it came out Ooh. on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So what I'm going to say is not going to be a spoiler, but there, uh, there are things about The Amazing Spider-Man 2 there are things I think the movie does better than any other comic book movie I've ever seen. I think that emotionally, whoa. sorry, what I said, Whoa, that, that, that is not what I thought you were going to say. Yeah. It's bold. It's uh, a bold statement. I think emotionally the movie gets to heights that most comic book movies and most action movies never get to. I think that, um, in most action movies, in most comic movies even, uh, I think the only other movie that is even close is probably Captain America with the relationship that they establish in that movie. But I don't think it even comes close to what is achieved between Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker and Emma Stone's Gwen Stacy. I mean, I think that it is the best romance I've ever seen in a superhero movie. I think that most of the time in, in those movies they go, these two people love each other and they're just supposed to, you're supposed to believe it. And a lot of times you don't. It's just two good-looking good people who have fine chemistry, but it's not amazing. In this movie, the way they are together, it's unbelievable to me. I mean, I could watch an entire movie just about those two people without any masks, any any action, anything. Just those two characters interacting, going on dates, doing all of that stuff. I'm incredibly invested wow. in both of them. So I think that, to me, it does that better than anything. Um I think it is also the best realization of the character of Spider-Man I've ever seen in any any medium except for comic books. It feels to me like the, he they took him off the page and threw him in a movie. Um, he's funny. He's wisecracking. It, it, he's her, he's so heroic. There are moments in this movie that uh, he stops to talk to random people just to be nice to them so they feel good about themselves on top mm. of saving their lives. That stuff to me is, is just, it's wonderful stuff. Um, I think the action scenes, are, I think, are awesome. Um, and I think that all that stuff works really great. I love that he defeats enemies in different ways. It's not just, I'm going to shoot a couple of webs at you and flip around and punch you. There's a bunch of different ways he does it. And some of them lead to gut laughs, the way, the way he does mm -hmm. it. Um, that, I mean, is, that, that is that stuff that I think is unbelievable. And I love the movie because of those things. And it's, it's amazing that I love the movie because there are things about this movie that it does incredibly poorly. It handles the villain storylines very, very badly. And it's my, where they're afterthoughts in a lot of ways to me. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, but it's a testament to how much I love the movie that I look past all of that and, and walk away from it saying, I absolutely loved the movie in, in spite of, of these things. Because the villains are an afterthought, but for me, the movie's really about Peter Parker 
and it's about Spider-Man, and it's about that relationship that he has, and because it's about those things, the villains can be an afterthought to me because I, I, I want just more Peter Parker. But that's, that, that's my thoughts in generality. Okay. Chris, now, you did not see The Amazing Spider-Man. That's right. So I'm really excited to hear what you have to say about it because, again, there's these levels, right? Like, I mean, yeah. there's people who have read these comics for 30, 40, 50 years. There are these people who have seen all the movies and they love the character. And you just – I mean, you've seen the, the, the Sam Raimi movies, right? You've seen, at least seen Spider-Man or Spider-Man I've seen, uh, I've seen Spider-Man – interestingly enough, I've seen Spider-Man and – Spider-Man three. Well, I'm very, I'm very sorry for you. Yeah, yeah. Because, because you should just go back and just watch Spider-Man two. Yeah, but <laughs> which, which I intend on doing. I mean, I. But, but like, yeah. But your your ability to take this as just a movie person, like, just I'm going to the movies. I'm seeing this superhero. I'm so excited for what you have to say. Yeah. Um. I mean, I went with a friend of mine today, and right off the bat, I went to the theater. I saw a, a friend of mine who works at the theater, and when I told him that I was going to see The Amazing Spider-Man Two, he's like, "Oh man," he's like, "I feel bad for you," you know. And I, I was like, "Whoa," Fuck that you know, right, 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 <laughs> yeah, right off the bat. Uh, he had told me, and uh, you know, by the way, I went and saw this at you know in the Buckland Hills Mall area mm-hmm. in Manchester, Connecticut. I'm sure demographically it's different everywhere, but. You know, he was saying they were preparing for this big weekend and everything, and uh, a lot of people were actually leaving the the theater disappointed in the film. He said the overall vibe that he got, uh, in comparison to like the Avengers films or the new Captain America film, mm-hmm. was uh, kind of under par. So I was like, oh, okay, you know, that's fine. And I was going into this with absolutely no opinion at all. You know, this was just uh, something I was kind of going into blindly and dumb. I have to say, you know, I I, I didn't really like the movie to, <laughs> all okay. that much. I mean, I uh, I thought that um, if I had to go down a list of the things I did enjoy, I thought some of the action sequences were great. Um, I thought that uh, I really enjoyed a lot of the music in the movie, uh, in particularly like the main theme that they played. Uh, it, it, it comes in and out of the movie at, at a lot of different points, which I enjoyed, but I don't know. I mean, I went with my friend Ben today, and uh, sad to say, he fell asleep like halfway through the movie, and um, it just—I don't know. I just wasn't into what, it. I what thought, were your issues with it? Um, I thought the dialogue was like written like a ten-year-old. You know, like I just didn't think the dialogue was good at all. It wasn't. It was very—I don't know. I just thought it was corny. Okay. Straight, straight up, you know, I just didn't. Was there any fun that you had with it? Or, like, I, I guess I'm asking, like, watching Spider-Man do Spider-Man stuff, like, was there joy in that or fun in that? Or was it just kind of like, whatever? I feel bad because I feel like part of it is just my ignorance to Spider-Man as a character, you know. I mean, I probably only have 1%, if that, of the knowledge of Spider-Man as a character. In but, the but that shouldn't matter. There. You yeah, know, it, it, it just, I don't know. I just didn't think it was very good. And again, Bobby, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but I, mean, I, I think that it's something we talk about sometimes about, like, you know, nerd culture, geek culture. You know, we're, we're people who do a movie podcast. You guys are do a comic book podcast. But we make up a small percentage of who actually goes to see these movies. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I, you know, like yeah. they're made for the masses and they make money because everyone goes and they make more money if they're good. They make mm-hmm. more money if they have 
you know, legs and staying power. And people really want to see more of it. Um, but I'm surprised to hear that from you. Yeah. I mean, I can put it very simply as far as personal taste is concerned. Um, once again, if you, I love Batman Begins. I love the Dark Knight uh, movies like that, that that just seem to be, to me, a little bit more, um, I guess, serious, darker, kind of hard-hitting. Uh, right. th- this movie, to me, had very much of a kind of, it was, it was uh, I don't want to say childish, but just... Comic booky. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> very comic Funny. booky. And, and, and that's, my, that's my personal opinion. Now, at yeah, the yeah. same time, at the same time, I appreciate, I appreciate the film. I appreciate uh, the characters in it. I thought it was casted very well. Um, I thought that the the editing and special effects were very impressive and enjoyable to watch. Um, Did anything piss you off? Were you ever like this movie sucks? No, 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 no. no, no I'm not, I'm no, not going there, that no, far. There it's are just, those moments. Those moments happen. Right, but if someone on the street came up to me and said, "Hey, you know, like new Amazing Spider-Man Two is out." Have you seen it? Would you recommend seeing it? I'd be like, yeah, I saw it. And no. Really. Yeah, you know <laughs> what right. I mean? I just, I don't know. That's my honest opinion. I'm sorry, guys. Don't be, don't no, apologize. Why are you apologizing <laughs> for having an opinion? <laughs> look, look I'll, I would challenge you, Chris, to go back in time and listen to the Talking Comics podcast on Man of Steel. <laughs> <laughs> don't do it. Which I also have not seen. Don't do it. It's, it's okay. And don't see it. Don't, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> Stop it. Um, but I will say this. I will say this, and I feel like a geek for saying this, but I guess, once again, I know this is all a subjective thing. Like, um, I really like Jamie Foxx, <laughs> and, and I thought his character was kind of cool, and I, I felt bad for him, man. He, he really... You know, it, it it wasn't his fault. He didn't deserve to be put into that situation, and, and I and I did feel bad for him. And I and I wanted to see him kick ass. And when he was kicking ass, I was like, I was into that. You, you what, <laughs> Stephanie? Can you can you take this from me? <laughs> I maybe. I mean, I'm saying, uh, if, if you were in my position, literally looking at Chris right now and had to counter him. What would you say? Like, I straight up didn't think it was a good movie. And I did, And I would like to mention, hold on, this last thing I'll say. My friend Ben, who I went to the movies with, fell asleep halfway through. And I didn't notice that until at a certain point I looked over and I'm like, oh, my God, he's sleeping. And I, I crouched over and I looked farther down. And the person that was sitting three or four seats down from me on the left was also sleeping. And I went to a 1 p.m. showing of the movie. Wait, uh, wait, wait, wait. Did you I not did that too. Huh? Did you not wake him up? No, I, I I woke him up, but he okay. was sleeping. You know. No, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I just have I have a problem with people who don't he, wake he had, others he had, up. He had the he had kind of the and he also and we have different tastes in movies. He had the same opinion as as okay. I did. Hmm. All right. I mean, at least he was sleeping. I had two little kids in the like that were like three years old <laughs> and sitting in front of me, and like they recapped everything that happened. <laughs> like after it happened, like if yeah, you like. A lot going on. But the kid would be like, literally, after like a scene happened, the kid would be like, exactly what we just saw. You know, he would shout, Spider-Man just swung from a building. I'd be like, wow, thank you. Like, I didn't notice. That's a video but, like, descriptive just, service. That's obviously, again, I don't want to like spoil anything yet, but like. When we get to that, I'll... All right, spoilers. Spider-Man is going to leap from buildings. Yeah. <gasps> yes. That's it. I'm leaving. You ruined it. I want to hear what Stephanie thought about the movie. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Oh, I okay. Take I, it home, Stephanie. All right. 
So my big thing is that while I watched the movie, for the most part, I really enjoyed watching it. I was entertained, but as soon as I left the theater, it all fell apart for me. Like, it was just like, wait, why did that happen? No reason. Why did this happen? No reason. Why didn't they do this instead of this? That would have made more sense. That was really an easy rewrite. Hmm. And, like, it all just falls apart. You being um, vague right now is very funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, like, there, there were just a lot of things that they could have done differently to make the writing in the film stand beside the things that were great about it. Amazing, even. Um, Hello. You know, the- well, nicely <laughs> know. done. Thank you. Um, you just reminded me, like, you know, a scene where they're fighting about doing the laundry or something. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. just I just thought it was really corny. That's like, brilliant. Yeah. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie, yeah. actually. I'm going to do that's my just, laundry. I'm in just... college now. I can do... Oh, no, I'm Chris, not. that's it. I, just... I really just... I, I was like, this guys, dialogue is written by a guys, 10-year-old. Guys, I need, I, need, I need this moment. Okay. Okay. Chris. Yeah. Do you know why there was a problem with the laundry? Yeah, because he put his costume in. <laughs> okay, good. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just making sure. Yeah, and I, and I just find it i just thought no, it was no, cheesy. it's fine it's fine stephanie i want to get back to you though what give us more thoughts about the movie um i just felt like you know there was great action scenes and the swinging from the buildings felt like spider-man and the dialogue like peter parker's dialogue it's spider-man's dialogue felt like you know felt like they should like mm-hmm. bobby said it felt like he came right out of the comic book but i took issues with like again how everything kind of it, it just felt really um an article i read today said something about how you know it didn't just what was it the suspense of disbelief mm-hmm. um it was like this is basically what it was it didn't just break my suspension of disbelief it shot at gangland execution style and oh. buried it in a shallow grave out in the woods that's a quote from io9's mm-hmm. review of it today and that's that <laughs> is it yeah no i don't, I don't know. know about that i don't know um but anyways let me get back to like my yeah, pros and cons a bit quickly anyways um uh emma stone and andrew garfield are a real life couple and their chemistry just showed in the film you know i wasn't necessarily i mean obviously they work as gwen and peter but it was kind of just also like watching Emma and Andrew. Cause every time you see them in interviews, they kind of just act like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it kind of just didn't even feel like acting. Their relationship was the most genuine thing about the movie to me. Um, they were sweet and I loved their relationship and the stuff that happens between them is, it did affect me and it did connect with me because I just, you know, it was real. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's another scene with Peter and Bobby, you had mentioned, I think it was you, Bobby, who said the way he acts and he talks to people. Um, he just goes out of his way to, you know, make someone's day by j- chatting with them. There's a moment where, you know, it's not crime, but he stops a bully, these, mm-hmm. this group of bullies mm-hmm. um, and saves this like smart kid who's being picked on. And, that moment was so Spider-Man to me. It was just... That was, that was actually one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Me too. And, you know, 
my friend and I were being a bit snarky at some of the earlier stuff and both of us kind of were like, nope, this works. <laughs> this is like, there was, there, there was no way we could make fun of it. Right. Like it was just straight up. This is how Spider-Man should be. Mm-hmm. And maybe not necessarily just going around and stopping bullies all the time, but there should be moments like this in all Spider-Man books and stuff. I mean, he just went out of his way to see somebody like him and do a thing that he probably wished someone had done for him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there were there were really genuine moments in there that I loved. But unfortunately, they were mixed with a lot of really weird, um, you know, screenplay decisions and uh, directorial nonsense. And that music... The Marilyn what Manson was Hans Zimmer thinking when he was like, Ugh. yeah, I'm going to stamp my name on this. <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> that thing is the worst. Oh, my God. The mu- There's this one scene where there's a montage and Peter's trying to I mean, you get it from the trailer. He's trying to piece together what his parents were up to. But, you know, he's got stuff going on with Gwen and Aunt May's mad at him. And like there's this music that sounds like it's like. Disney nature music. I'm on top of the world. Hey, and I'm like, what? This doesn't go along with what's happening at all. I shouldn't want to dance when like they're trying to show me that I should be crying. I didn't get that at all. What did you What did you think of the? Just because this was one of my issues with the movie. What did you think of the dialogue? What did you think of the script in this movie? I thought. I mean, again, like the stuff with um, uh, Peter Parker and Spider-Man, his lines were so spot on. Um, but there was a lot of things that definitely could have been worded differently. Um, and I mean, or just written by maybe a different person entirely. Uh, the dialogue was really weird. <laughs> um, yeah, it was. I was the, not impressed. I kind of have another example for this, but like uh, Norman and Harry, they're having a, a conversation which doesn't make sense at all to begin with. That dialogue was just weird. Uh, but I know, you know exactly Norman's which part like, you're talking about. Yeah. You about is it when they're skipping rocks by the river? No, no, no. Norman's no, Harry's Norman. dad. Oh, oh, oh. oh. <laughs> that was weird too, though. That was so stupid. And yeah. uh, Norman, though, he's talking oh, to his is. son and he's like, he says this thing where he's like, do you notice your hand shaking when you're coming? And then he pauses for like, it's just really uncomfortable. Cause like that could have been worded way differently. <laughs> and then he carries on after this pause, but I was just like, and I'm focused on how weird that was worded in the first place. <laughs> oh boy. Cause you're a sick, sick girl. Um, it's <laughs> because weird. I did not get it's that weird. at all. <laughs> Didn't get that either. It's all, it's, it's all in your head, Cook. My friend, like, she turned to me and she's like, did he just say that? I'm like, yep. <laughs> oh, man. It was so weird. And, like, ugh, so many. And I know that's not what he was saying, but at the same time, he said it. And then, like, it was just, ugh. So it sounds like so it was a mixed strange. bag for you, Stephanie. It really was, was. Like, you know, was I the only one that didn't, like, have sympathy for what was the character's name who inherited the the whole Harry? Operation? Yeah, Harry. Yeah. It's like you were not dying. the only one. I don't feel bad for him at all. Yeah. No. You know, it's the, like like cool. Is, you 
you have two hundred billion dollar company in mm. your hands. Like, mm. I just don't just, feel bad for you at all. Yeah, <laughs> the thing is, they build up a great story between um, Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker, but that's the only real relationship that they, you know, put effort into kind of maintaining throughout the movie. Everything else kind of just falls apart because, you know, they have really stupid motives for the things that they do. Mm-hmm. That it would be one thing if what they were doing was backed up by the stories that they'd been written, that they had written for them, but they're not. And, you know, you wind up just being like, this is really stupid. Mm-hmm. Why is this in here? Because it just doesn't add up. Yeah. Yeah. I think that you're absolutely right. I think there, there is a definitely a problem with the movie. I think it's a, it's like a two faced movie in a lot of ways, you know, with yeah. some really amazing stuff and some really um, shortcoming stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I realize like I'm being very vague because I don't want to. Yeah, no, absolutely. We're still in the vague. We're still in the, we're still in the vague portion yeah, of, exactly. of the show. <laughs> um, Brian, but, I want to know what you think about it, though. Oh me? Yeah. yeah I mean, <laughs> I want to know what you think. Oh right, yeah, Chris is because I, I, I will say, no. I left the theater and I was like, I didn't really like that. I bet Brian loved it, <laughs> and you would be correct. Yeah, of course, <laughs> I knew it. Um, and I had issues with the first half hour, forty minutes, where I felt like it was meandering and, and and taking its sweet ass time and this and that and um and, and going off of what bobby said like um and even in stephanie too like there's there are definitely issues with the villains there's issues with motivations and there's issues with all this shit but the heart of the movie is gwen and peter and it, it's a it's a peter parker story we're blessed that it's a sequel that we don't have to deal with an origin we we get to just open the movie and it's spider-man and we close the movie and it's Spider-Man, you know, like, so telling that story, it's not the thing we've heard all before again, because now we're five movies in and we've had two origins, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, I got joy out of this movie. I got moments where I was like, um, you're talking about, you know, yeah, it's Peter Parker ripped off the page. Yes, I agree. You know, there are moments with them that are just with Gwen and Peter and, and Peter alone, that I'm just like, that is exactly how I hear him in my head. Exactly. And I think the costume is fantastic in the sense that it doesn't look like it's a CG body, like just rolling around Manhattan doing whatever it does, like a, a Yoda spinning with a <laughs> green lightsaber, very, you know, very cartoony. Though. Oh, I mean, it looks like a comic book. Like yeah. This, the, 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 yeah, but the, which is right. It's supposed to, you know, I'm, yeah. and, and, in other Spider-Man movies, including the amazing Spider-Man, you know, I think there are moments where it looks like, yep, that's a computer, not a guy. Mm-hmm. And every action sequence, every moment of just jumping around from here to there, I felt like it was a guy in a suit. Mm-hmm. And, and not in a bad way. Not in the, I can see the zipper. <laughs> you know, you, you know not, not like that, but like where I was... I mean, it's the first shot of the movie Mm -hmm. is is the ripples in his costume as as he's trickling down through the air. You know, Um, I realized about an hour and a half into it because it's like two hours, maybe maybe an hour, 15. They're like the electro thing. He's just a tool. He's just a he's a henchman. Yeah, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I shouldn't be worried about. 
I don't understand why this guy liked Spider-Man and now he doesn't like <laughs> Spider-Man, you know, because that was a thing that bothered me for a minute. I'm mm. like, that doesn't make a lot of sense. I'm like, wait, it's a comic book movie <laughs> and I'm having a great time. Mm -hmm. And the, the scene for me, and again, this is not spoilers at all, but um, there's a scene with Aunt, Aunt May and Peter where he's pressing her for some information mm. and she breaks down. You're Chris. You're laughing at me. I, I, I'm sorry. It's okay. I'm, I'm I mean, very curious to see what you to see hear what you have to say about this scene because I had a huge problem with this scene. So really? I did. One of my favorite scenes in the movie. It, it, it is was... my favorite scene in the mm -hmm. movie. And like, there, she says something to him, and I just started crying. I'm like, and I thought, like, why am I crying? It's just a scene of some exposition. <laughs> you mm. know, like, there's nothing like groundbreaking I, I bought it i believed those people in that moment and and i cried later in the movie we'll <laughs> talk about that then um but the misgivings that i had earlier on where i was like all right spider-man to impress me which by the way was the way i felt about the movie up until the moment i saw it mm -hmm. like i wasn't like i can't wait for this <laughs> you know like I'm like, oh, that movie's happening. Okay. Mm. <laughs> you know, that's kind of the way I felt. And I got – Chris is just shaking his head at me. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just – what May is telling Peter about, like, what she's doing for him and the sacrifices that she's making for him, it just got me. Mm-hmm. What, totally, what, now, who is she again and what's she doing? Sally Field, uh, his, his aunt. Yeah, Sally Field, yeah. Again, mm -hmm. we're trying to stay away from... Yeah, you know, spoilers, yeah. But again, not that it's a big deal. It's just that, you know, she knows stuff about what happened to his parents. He thinks she knows this. He's pressing her for it. And she won't tell him because she doesn't want to hurt him. Mm -hmm. And there, she, she also insists on doing his laundry. Yeah. Chris, we've heard your opinion. Let Brian tell his opinion. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, you just got smacked yeah. down. Come on. Over... We're the long we're island sound we're getting hung up on little details let's talk about the movie <laughs> no i'm just i'm i'm just saying that i believed those characters and uh when we get to the end later um totally bought that too and, and i walked out of the theater happy and full of joy mm -hmm. and that and that's at the end of the day it's why we go to the movies it's true it's true if that's what you felt that's what, you know what you want to feel it sounds cheesy and corny but like like I had problems in the first half hour to 45 minutes of this movie. Mm. It didn't matter when I walked out. Yeah, I think Brian it's and I share kind different. of... It's yeah. far different when it's the opposite. Yeah, Brian and I kind of share a similar thought about a lot of movies, which is that I feel like we can recognize a movie has faults, but if we enjoy the movie enough, um, it doesn't factor into our overall picture mm -hmm. of the movie. I think that's kind right. of what we're both saying. Steve, I know you're chomping at the bit. Tell us what you thought of Amazing Spider-Man 2. All right, if there was a line drawn in the sand mm -hmm. between... All right, I'm not, I'm not even going to go that way. I'll go this way. Um, really enjoyed, really loved certain aspects of it. Uh, thought that it was an absolute mess in other regards. Um, I unfortunately, like I said earlier in the podcast, I wish that I was able to see it twice and I wish that I had had the opinions of everybody here on the show to watch it a second time. And when when I do have the opportunity, I will do that. Um, I am notoriously known on the Talking Comics podcast to be the nitpick guy and the guy that gets hung up on all of the little stuff 
that just bogs the shit out of a movie for me. This movie did that for nearly two hours and 20 minutes for me. Um, I'll tell you what I love, though, because I did love some stuff. I don't want people to think that I'm being all negative because absolutely not. Loved, 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 loved Emma Stone and Andrew Garfield as Gwen Stacy and Peter Parker. Their chemistry that transfers over, they're in a real-life relationship, and they bring that to the screen. They are, they are intense. Their, their chemistry is amazing. And I, I buy the love on screen when they're together. And I think that that's fantastic. Um, I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, no. I forgot to mention that. No, that, that, uh, over, that's like, the cornerstone of the movie for me. Over the, yeah, and o- over the moon for that stuff. Loved that stuff. Uh, I loved, loved, loved the little Spider-Man moments. The Spider-Man moments, like Stephanie had said, of him uh, you know, stopping the group of, of bullies and taking moments to you know, give Max a pep talk and to do little things for you know the people within his city, and he's he's really by now in the movies in this in this incarnation of the franchise, he's now figured out you know what it is to be Spider Man. I think mm. the first moment he realized that was the the bridge sequence in the first film with the lizard when he saves the people in the cars and especially the little boy, and he hands the little boy back to his father. And as he hands him back, he's kind of stand, he's kind of sitting on the bridge. And he goes, "Who are you?" And he goes, "I'm Spider Man." Mm-hmm. And he swings away. In that moment, that's when Andrew Garfield's Spider Man figured out, you know, mm-hmm. who he is and what he should do. That he, he's it's not just webbing around and parkouring around the city. You now have a you know self proclaimed responsibility to use these powers to do good. Mm-hmm. And in this movie, we get to see him do so much of that, and I love that. I loved uh, so uh, so many of the action sequences were great. I had a tiny again a tiny nitpick problem with the opening action sequence, but it was so cool that I I kind of didn't care. But an aspect of it, I think he spent a little bit too much time quipping when there's really yeah. Oh my god, I loved all of the quipping. No, 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 no. I (laughs) no, I I loved the jokes. Mm -hmm. I loved the jokes themselves. But when when Paul Giamatti's Rhino or pre-Rhino is careening through the streets because he did, you know he decided to rob whatever I'm not gonna get into mm. all plot stuff but yeah. there's cars blo- pe- crushing and mm. people blowing out you know car upon car upon mm. car crunching it on some movie and he's up there telling jokes mm-hmm. he saves. Lots of people in this movie. You get to see he he picks up, he catches cars, yeah. He swings things around, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, so 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 cool. Um, and I really loved the like the Spider Man from a um, from a, like a special effects perspective. I loved the Spider Man stuff. Him swinging around looked flawless. The costume looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, the creative ways of using his webbing to to do this and that around the city, um, all of that stuff w- was fantastic. Um, <laughs> that being said, I, I I had there were so many inconsistencies, and there were so many. I had so many problems with the villains. Um, I felt that moments that were supposed to be rewarding were not. Um, and that's in reference to the scene that you were talking about between the discussion between him and Aunt May. We'll get into that with spoilers. 
But that whole thing of him talking to him about who she is to him and, and what she's had to be, absolutely spectacular. The tail end of that, the reveal for that, you, instead of it being for the audience, it was for Peter. And I just, I felt, I felt gypped. I felt like you, like the big reveal was information that I had in the last movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, the evolution of, of the villains, I thought was really weak. I really liked Max's character in the beginning. I thought he was really complex. I sympathized with him. Thought he was he was interesting and that he I I I believed him as somebody that could tip, you know, because he was so awkward, he was so inadequate socially and even mentally and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, my God, we'll we'll get into it with, with with spoilers and such. But like Stephanie said, there were there were so many moments that could have gone differently for me that stuff that just did not make sense and spending time on things, developing things that I just did not care about. I don't care about Peter's parents. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. I don't care. Um, there was about an hour and 15 minutes of this movie where I really, I hate to say it. I was really bored. They didn't spend an hour and 15 minutes on the parents. No, 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 no. Okay. I was going to say, I was making but sure. <laughs> I was like, I, when I'm, when I'm engrossed in a movie, when I, and I, I, said I wasn't going to do this. I'm going to do it anyway. When I saw Captain America, I was gripping my seat. And I'm not trying to compare the movies, but as far as movies in like, engagement in mm-hmm. the movies, I was so, from the moment it started to the moment it ended with Captain America, I was there. I was in there. I was shifting in my seat. I was checking my clock. I was, I was fiddling around with stuff, waiting to care again. And aside from the, the, the Peter and Gwen stuff, I just, there were things that, like I said, there were things that happened, especially with the villains. When we get to spoilers, I'll get into it. And you're just going to have to humor me for a little while. <laughs> um, but I did not, I did not walk away. When, when those end credits rolled and that fucking putrid rap music came in. Oh, the Alicia Keys song? Holy yeah. shit, that song was terrible. Yeah, it's bad. I don't understand. That was weird. I don't understand the choice to use that yeah. song. I, I don't understand. I left before it. <laughs> oh my God. Do you guys actually know that apparently there was like um an end credit scene if you shazammed the song yeah there was like a video you got if you shazammed the song the <laughs> yeah oh the end yeah. credit song oh well so, that's, yeah. that's interesting at least which yeah. i did not do, didn't do i it. didn't either yeah. but anyway that's actually kind of cool <laughs> i wish i had known that maybe yeah. i would have done it but it was the anti-cool to me I was <laughs> like, the, story, really? the story i read before like the movie came out was like oh this is what's happening in the end credits and there was like Someone realized this song's already out and just shazammed it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> like you have to wait until you're in the movie theater. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna pass the stick to Bob in just a second, but just um, tech, from a technical standpoint, like I said, I really enjoyed the Spider-Man stuff. Um, it got to a point with Electro where I really enjoyed it when he was on screen and it was Jamie Fox and it was him and he was kind of just glowing and and he had like a you know like this inner electricity into him Mm -hmm. and it was actually the actor any time that he was up in the air or using this new set of powers that they've introduced in this movie and he's moving from one thing to another i think it i I think it looked terrible i i I didn't i i it just it i i do a lot of investigation with special effects for my job and i just thought that it looked bad um Yeah, I'm 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 very I'm very divided on the movie. Mm-hmm. Some stuff that I absolutely love, the Spider-Man stuff, I love, and that's what should matter. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
there was there was so many nitpicks and so many things that bogged the movie down for me that I really hate the fact that I walked away from it f- feeling more for that stuff than I did about the good. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I love Spider-Man, mm-hmm. and I really loved those moments that I loved, mm-hmm. hardcore. But the stuff that I have a problem with that we'll get to is just, it's still plaguing me mm. now. Yeah, so gotcha. I guess Bob's the only one left, right, Brian? That's correct. <laughs> well, uh, I liked it. That's it. <laughs> oh, so. Sweet. Sorry. Anyway, anyway, next week on Talking <laughs> Movies. Uh, yeah. uh, Take it you. on, Bob. Oh, okay. I am, I suppose I'd be the yang to Bobby and Brian's ying <laughs> in that. Oh, Christ. <laughs> you try to, you try to I, whip some I education called, on people. It. I called it. Okay. As with Steve, as really with, I think, everybody here, there are a lot of things I didn't like about this movie. Probably more if we were making a list that mm. I didn't like than I did. But the things I did like, some of them were so high for me yeah. that the movie is a slightly positive experience. Mm-hmm. And some of these things, to me, the action sequences, the web swing scenes here are mm-hmm. the best they've been in any of these Spider-Man yeah, movies. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, totally. Just completely across the board, using the city as, as an extra character. Mm-hmm. We saw 2D. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I saw 2D saw, as well. Yeah, Bob and I went together. And it still looked 3D. <laughs> it was just that, that good. And the brighter color palette, especially on the outfit, that really mm-hmm. is the closest it's ever been to looking the way it does in a comic, except for the underarm webbing that started <laughs> at the beginning. But more importantly, that brighter tone applies to the movie itself. As someone says, you know, Spider-Man gives everyone hope. Yeah. This celebrates heroism from the larger saving the city mm-hmm. to in Duffy Square. He saves, I don't know, 40 or 50 people from being electrocuted, all these people from the car crashes and whatever, little kids. Mm-hmm takes the time to chat with people this is a human real spider-man mm-hmm. in a way that we haven't seen and that's on andrew garfield and the way it's written for for him certainly the chemistry with, with emma stone is incredible and she is gwen stacy mm-hmm. she's amazing yeah and, and they've given her an extra layer of stuff she was peter's girlfriend in the books great character interesting family life when you saw her with her dad and so on and so forth but she was sort of an appendage well, her character has agency now. Mm-hmm. She yeah. actually consciously goes to help Spider-Man and can help Spider-Man. She's mm-hmm. part of the, the Scooby gang yeah. mm-hmm. and makes this work. And you believe that she's a Rhodes Scholar and can turn on New York's power by looking <laughs> at the blueprints for <laughs> mm-hmm. a minute and a half. And it really is pretty incredible. As is Sally Field. Mm-hmm. Campbell Scott, in a very small part, is he's one of my favorites, but he's just really, really excellent in this movie. As Steve said, you could have jettisoned now across two movies all this parent stuff. It's not necessary. It's this the whole linkage of everything. Mm-hmm. It, it just gets to me. It's just so convoluted. Right. It, it just wasn't necessary. And if you took that 20 minutes out, I think the rest of the movie would play short, more sharply. Mm-hmm. You, I love that we have Easter eggs. Felicia Hardy. Yeah. Uh, Professor Smythe. Mm-hmm. One line is, oh, that, oh yeah. we're, we're down the road here. <laughs> I loved Aunt May's both speeches mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. first one and the one that leads yeah to his comeback I'll yeah just leave it at that now on the other side of the ledger sadly <laughs> here we go <laughs> it's not that bad i i really think i, I know bobby can, will certainly educate me here i look at this as having three and a half acts kind of um, yeah, it's a little bit the act structure is a little bit strange it it, yeah. it, it the, the the third act kind of jams um two third acts into one 
uh, which is a problem. It's a problem. That's the main issue for the movie for me is, is yeah. that last act. Right. Because you, what you have with, I'm going to be as spoiler free as possible. You, you have Harry and his set of problems mm. that don't really connect with where we're going. Right. And then it does, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of jarring because we go from one to to the other. I like Jamie Foxx as an actor here, but then his character, he does tip, and he tips very quickly because, mm-hmm. well, someone forgot his birthday. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. And I really, I don't know, is it his choice in the script, in the direction, a joint effort as how they arrived at him playing a character that's half Otis and half Gus Gorman mm-hmm. from the Superman movies? He's a jerk. Mm-hmm. And he acts like a jerk, and he's supposed to be brilliant, and he's just goofy and weird needlessly. Mm-hmm. And then he turns into supervillain guy <laughs> with arch dialogue and very theatrical, and I will crush Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. So you got an electrical lobotomy or something, and your other personality disappeared, and you're mm-hmm. now this guy? Mm-hmm. He's like Jamie Foxx's version of the Riddler from Batman yeah. Forever. Yeah, which is exactly what my father said. I was like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. like, well, so tr- actually, so tr- there's some truth in that. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Uh, the... Spot on, Stephanie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Steph. That helped me. That saved me about 14 paragraphs. The uh, To me, putting the, the two... It, it's, again, overstuffed villainy. Mm. So now it's it's... I'll, I'll say goblin. I said it softly. Yeah, he's in the trailer. Okay, okay. so <laughs> yeah. you know we've got Goblin and Electro, and it's Venom and Sandman from Spider-Man mm-hmm. Three, and that yeah. didn't work there, and it doesn't work here. It's just a. It's I just disagree. A... Fine. Yeah, that's right. Fine. <laughs> I, it's well, not as bad as Spider-Man Three, but it's it's that it's, that same yeah. area, that ballpark. You know, and there are things I love that there'd be more Daily Bugle stuff. Mm-hmm. It's more of a nitpick than anything yeah. else. It's but coming. They said it's coming in the it's next coming. movie. I, yeah. you know, I really hope so. That is part of the story. It's a big mm-hmm. part of the story. It's part of the character of the city and these characters themselves. The things that I think are positive, the actor things, the wonderful chemistry between the two leads, how that story has plays itself out through this movie, huge, huge positives, much more than the negatives. Mm-hmm. Star rating two and a quarter, mm-hmm. two and a half. Out of four? Yeah. Okay. It is. This is not the first one to me mm-hmm. it is not the original spider-man yeah. 2 which is really near the top of the yeah. heap of these things it's also not man of steel or green lantern mm-hmm. or some of those other things it's in the daredevil category for me where it's a really what? enjoyable <laughs> yes. yes bob likes daredevil though i like daredevil <laughs> yeah i saw it with your dad brian we had a great time but me there too. were major flaws with that that, yeah. that take it down and so the things i enjoyed in that and i really enjoyed electra in that movie mm. enjoyed affleck as daredevil right. and as matt mm. loved favreau loved all the places are going michael clark duncan mm. was amazing and i was skeptical and he just nailed that oh so, you daredevil <laughs> so it's this is a middle of the road non-Marvel Studios movie for mm. me. Liked it, just couldn't love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I gotta say, like, I, I said very nice things about it and I agree with all those, but I agree with, it's funny, I agree with the, the problems you guys have with the movie. Like, I think a lot of those things are problems. I think that the third act is rushed. I think that the introduction of the second villain is, it's the wrong time for it. And I liked the guy, I liked Den, uh, Dean DeHaan, that's his name, right? Dean DeHaan. Yeah, I think it's Dane. Dane DeHaan? Dane? Dane, Dean, whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> I like the guy as an actor, and I Dee-dee. liked I liked Daredevil. his portrayal of Harry for the first the first twenty or so minutes mm-hmm. he's he's playing that character, and then once it starts to turn, it just feels too rushed to me. 
but like you were saying, Bob, the things that I like about it, I like so much that that stuff, it kind of, um, exact opposite of you, Steve, like exact inverse, which is like, yeah. I agree with the, like a lot of the problems you had. Um, oh, I haven't even got, gotten started yet. But a lot of the problems you said, I, I agree with yeah. them. But the stuff that I liked, like it, oh, it overshadowed it. It was like it was like this yeah. bright sun, you know, like taking out the shadow. I and, wish that I felt that. Right. Way. Yeah. yeah. And, and who knows? Upon a second mm-hmm. view, maybe I will. Yeah. Um, I want to make a, a ridiculous comment mm-hmm. beyond okay. the other ones I All just right. did. Does anyone look now? I put. I'm going to put this out there, and no mm-hmm. one will be able to see it any other way. Mr. DeHaan, to me, looks like the love child of Angelina Jolie and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yeah. He's a pretty man. My first thought about seeing him was, like, he looks like he should be playing in Little Affair. (laughs) (laughs) Like, he looks like a lesbian folk singer. Oh, my God. Stephanie, you should just leave now. That was amazing. (laughs) Stephanie drops the mic. I loved that. But, Brian, I don't want to kick it back to you. I don't know if you want to go into spoiler territory or not. I just I just dropped the mic. <laughs> that was what that was. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, at this point, if you haven't seen the flick yet, or if you don't care, <laughs> those are your two options. Um, we're going to be talking about spoilers, so uh, I would stop the show and uh, see you next week. But we're going to go on to some of the finer points, some of the the meat of the Amazing Spider-Man Two. So, Bobby, mm. you just spoke moments ago i but, did but 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 again i'd like to know what you think about how the end of that flick is handled well it's it's interesting right because i, I mentioned on twitter that I, there, I had a reaction to spider-man making spider-man 2 that i've never had to any comic book movie and that's that i i cried like i was like openly crying at the end of amazing spider-man mm-hmm. 2 the moment where gwen dies which is obviously slightly tweaked from the comic book version but is done practically the same way in the manner in which she passes away which is peter is just a second late saving her mm-hmm. life. But I, I was the whole time I was wondering, was, are they going to do it? I know. Cause she, in, if you're a comic book fan, you've seen the trailers. Mm-hmm. She's wearing the same outfit she's wearing in the comic books when she mm-hmm. dies. But I was wondering, are they going to do it here? Are they going to save it to the third movie? And I still wasn't sure until Harry shows up in the, in, in the, the plant. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh God, they're going to do it. And like, he grabs her and he isn't there. And, and you know, there's a scene where he like drops her and Peter jumps and that moment, it's like that slowed down moment. And I'm just thinking to myself, I'm like, they're going to do it. And the exact same moment, I was like, I don't want them to do it. I don't want her to die. No. I don't want her to die. I like, I like her too much. I like their relationship yeah. too much. And mm-hmm. that's what I mean by being so invested in that reaction of being like, I don't want to see this character go. I, I like her too much. I don't, this is not a moment. And that's the, that's the amazingness of that movie to me, using the, the, the adjective in the title. Because when she goes and Peter is crying, I feel it in my bones. Oh, you know? I, I, I felt was, every moment of it. Yeah. It was the moment for me, like, I, I knew it was coming. It was the same thing, Bobby. Like, I was like, oh, no, oh, no. I was, like, <laughs> huddling up like I'm, like, in the fetal position, but, like, <laughs> sitting in my chair. I'm like, no, 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 no. But, you know, like, she's falling. and she's I would not want to see a movie next to you. <laughs> <laughs> well, there was no one in the theater. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, you're watching her fall from, like, Peter's perspective, and you're just like, this is the worst but the part that like got me is like she could survive this she could survive this she's fine she's fine she's fine and then the when she's the thud mm-hmm. mm. and and you're still kind of thinking maybe they'll like change it and she'll be fine you know she's just like knocked unconscious but then as soon as you see that trail of blood from her nose mm-hmm. yeah. you're just like it's over and my heart like it's probably i i didn't cry but like I honestly felt like it punched in the heart. Yeah. Like it was so 
I, I was so affected by it. And I didn't cry, but I looked over at my friend Megan who'd come with me and she's like, bawling and like wiping <laughs> tears away and she's like i've yeah. been making fun of this movie the whole time and i'm so sad right now there were so many it, times uh in that in those moments where she was falling mm-hmm. and he would catch her mm-hmm. he did it at least three or four times before the final one and every single time that it happened mm-hmm. i my my breath just and my heart was this just, is it like yeah yeah oh, oh god okay yeah Oh, they're not going to do it. No. Oh, okay. They're, well, maybe they're not going to. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. No. Yeah. Like I just. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. There's that bit in uh, Groundhog Day when Phil Connors goes off the cliff and Chris Elliott goes, "Well, he could still be okay." Yeah. <laughs> and then the car explodes. Yeah. yeah. I had not that. Now. But mm-hmm. it was with the trickle of blood yeah. down the nose. Uh, <laughs> well, it, to me, it was so that sad. it's that sound effect which is actually in the panel from the book, mm-hmm. where it's a little her her neck goes backwards, it's like snick. Yeah. So it's when you I heard that sound of like, no, this is not yeah. going to end well. I do have one little problem with the setup of that scene. I was saying this to Steve mm-hmm. when we saw it that day. I love that most of their dialogue together is naturalistic and mm. wonderful and real, and it sounds half of it as if they made it up standing. Yeah. Right. I <laughs> actually wonder if they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what happens is, see, I actually wrote this, so if it sounds like I'm reading it, it's because <laughs> I am. But there are moments that cry out to me for something movie. Mm-hmm. And even though you know we, know we know as comic book people, we know the tragedy to come, but even for those who don't, in reflection, once you've seen it, that's, that moment on the bridge, instead of jokey, you need the Rick to Ilsa speech from the end of Casablanca. <laughs> you need... Heathcliff and Kathy on her deathbed in Wuthering Heights, something that where the, the words sing and will be remembered forever that mm-hmm. their last moment together was this. Mm-hmm. And not, oh, they have Jack the Ripper. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, come I mean, I, but that's not their last moment together. Their last moment together I, is after she fixes the, the thing. I love that. I, and I love that it's so relationshipy. They're like, he's just like, what the hell are you doing here? You know, like, I love. Oh, he, he has his body language. Yeah. He's like, I don't understand yeah. what's going I was, on. That is another See, what? Listen. That moment, though, was like completely killed for me, though, when, like, you know, She's so smart. And I was so like, yeah, she has to do this, Peter. You know she has to do this. And then it's just like a button. It's a button. Yeah, that, that was a little bit weak. I, I didn't understand and, why they did it like that. Yeah. Oh, gosh. If by you need to know all the bloop all works out, if by that you mean I need to find like a crowbar or, you know, a key <laughs> in this case that was conveniently <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah. The... Like it was there. There was moments that were, you know, ruined by uh stupid writing mm-hmm. yeah. she should also have enough sense if she's smart enough to do all these other things to get out of harm's way once the guy with a glider shows well, up where's she gonna go <laughs> through the door <laughs> just not leaves, stand right there yeah. who leaves for england an hour after being accepted to oxford without saying goodbye to their family well you should think about her family who knows oh, her about her family. come on that stuff too. is all that's like all like oh, off-screen man. stuff I got, I got a lot of stuff that's right all now. off-screen stuff i mean oh, I got come so on many of those it's movie shorthand it's movie gotta, shorthand i mean if you, you can you can look at back at probably movies you love and find scenes like that where did they do this why did they do this when did they do this you know, oh, I got a couple of those. The whole point of it is, is that she's going to leave, and the, it, it, and the fact that she's going to leave, and Peter stops her, and then she dies. It just adds to the whole, the whole, you know, tragedy of the character. 
thing is, I knew she was doomed as soon as she got accepted to Oxford. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I knew she wouldn't get because, like, she can't go away. Like, that's mm-hmm. just not what would happen, right? Right. She yeah. can't be a loose plot end when MJ comes into things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She can't be alive. So I knew as soon as she was like, I got accepted to Oxford. I'm like, bitch is dead. You're dead. <laughs> <laughs> and now you're dead. Now you're dead. dead. <laughs> um, but I mean, like all those little things around it aside, the actual moment to me was just I, like it's 70 said, it punched me in the heart. I, I was, it was kind of astounded by, by that. Um, yeah, it is some no other superhero movie surprised. has yeah. gotten to. No, it, yeah, it, it is The Peggy isn't. Cap thing is It's close, close. but it's not there. I mean, that is Electra like, Electra dying is close. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, not, uh, not like close, that. not like that. I bet you at a party. Like that is just like. Now you want to kill me. Blew my, blew my head up. Hey, I, I just, I feel the, like there should be a call me maybe song to that. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I just met you. Now you're dead. <laughs> um, I know, uh, Brian. What about you? What, 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 what are your kind of thoughts about the ending? Um, yeah, punching the heart's good. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it kind of sums it all up. I. I just kept buying into it more and more as the last kind of hour unfolded and, and not in a transformers dark of the moon sort of way where <laughs> the last hour is awesome. If you ignore the previous hour and a half <laughs> right? and contextually makes zero sense, but this just kind of, it kept building and building and building. And um, I'm hearing everything you're saying about, I mean, you like the collective, you like poor writing this mm. or ridiculous that, and, I just don't care. <laughs> you know, like I had a good time. Mm-hmm. And um, it was how Bobby had said, like, I don't want, no, 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 mm. no, not now. <laughs> you know, like that whole thing. By the way, I'm being as vague as possible as my girlfriend's in the room. <laughs> um, ah. But uh, uh, I'm like, yeah, that is not something I want to see happen right now. And it took me back to like four years ago with Bob. You, Bobby, and I were in the room together recording a fanboy remix show where, you know, it was announced that Emma Stone was Gwen Stacy. Mm-hmm. And and there was the whole thing like, you can't spoil comic yes. books <laughs> you know, that came out 30 years ago. Yeah, I got in trouble for that. You one. did. <laughs> yeah. You know, and and I, I forgot. <laughs> I forgot that was the thing. I forgot that that was the where we were heading because oh. I had seen one movie with them and now I'm seeing another and like I just forgot that that was the, you know, her claim to fame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> really, you know, yeah. and once, it, uh, same thing, as, as soon as the glider is there, I'm like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't Oxford for me. It wasn't, you know, a look here and there. It was just as soon as Oh, you're very high up in the sky, and bad things can happen. You know, when that happened to me, I was like, oh, please don't. And I didn't know. I didn't know if they were going to milk it, try and give some homage, and then, mm. no, actually, it's going to happen next time, or it won't happen. You know, th- this is who we're telling the story about now. Mm. Um, but I thought it was done in a, in a, in a very classy way. I thought yeah. that, uh, you know, it paid homage to the comics it did its own thing at the same time the the idea of the split second you know and that's the point is that he can't save everyone and mm-hmm. um and just like anything the last whatever it is eight ten twelve minutes where uh bob you were mentioning like the the second speech mm-hmm. right 
like to get him back in the game. I loved all of that. Mm-hmm. I, I love the, the the quick go, you know going from summer to autumn, you mm-hmm. know, in a suit, in a hoodie, mm-hmm. you know, still morning, this and that, and yeah, you need Spider Man, mm-hmm. and that that little kid coming. Uh, it just it was so wonderful to me. Mm-hmm. I I loved it. I don't think I loved the first thirty or forty five minutes of it. Gotcha. I can do without it. I yeah. mean, and the Richard Parker stuff, I, I think it's, I think it's cool. You mm-hmm. know, like it, do, it doesn't add anything to me, but it, it is like it's doing something a little bit different. Um, I don't know what airlines support great internet, speed Wi-Fi, <laughs> great internet, the best. I think it was, it was said it was a satellite uplink. That's what they kept saying. So I think that was their... circa, circa two thousand two. Yeah, I know. <laughs> where, 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 by the way, you can close a laptop and then open it and it resumes. Yeah, I know. It is very that special tech. Well, Ten years ago, so your life was. Said it was a, the Sony Bio. Yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I was like, that did not exist. Also, Sony product product placement was overwhelming. It's a Sony movie. It's a Sony movie. Come on. I know. Which Even I'm not going to go. Yeah, come on, guys. Considering that they have sex tape coming out this summer, mm-hmm. and it's all about iPads. Yeah. they've got. They, there's going to be a computer in the movie. It's going to be a Sony computer. I mean, that's just the way it is. I'd rather it be a branded computer than like a but computer. It wasn't, it, it wasn't <laughs> right. just that. Like There was like his camera. They're like, oh, let's do a close-up of Peter Parker with his camera. Oh, it's a Sony camera? What else are they going to use? What else is he going to use? A Canon camera in a Sony movie? It was too much. Hey, those things, you know, you know, we had this discussion many times. Those kind of product places thing, that's the reality of modern movies. Every movie does it. Every movie does it. Bobby, they could take some electrical tape and put it over the Sony logo. Yeah. Come on. That's what a pro would do. Um, anybody else got anything about spoilers steve oh god Uh, all right well where do you want to start ask me a question no just laundry list we don't we're running long already (laughs) all right holy shit um here's the thing i okay it sounds great thanks everyone (laughs) i love you i am i am the kind of guy and i fully admit it I get caught up on things. I get caught up on things that take me out of the movie, that take the enjoyment out of certain scenes, out of certain characters, things that I want to be there. And I know you mentioned before, you know, off-camera scenes, Mm -hmm. in between things that we don't need to see. Like, if something's going to end up on the cutting room floor, it's going to be that. Mm -hmm. Okay. And totally. But you're also asking me my my personal opinion on the movie. So as someone who's bothered by that shit, I'll give you a couple of examples. One, uh, Electro's new suit. Mm -hmm. Okay. Electro showed that he, Harry shows up at this facility, breaks him out of this thing where for some strange reason, he's being tortured with electricity of all things, uh, breaks him out. And like within the hour or two, they're back in the Oscorp building because for some reason, Harry needs Electro to get him into his own building. Well, he's been kicked out. Ah. He's been fired. Mm. Um, wait, no, wait a second. He, he just got, uh, he got escorted off the premises by security. He's like a 90 pound runt. How is he gonna get back in the building? All right, fine. <laughs> but when Electro comes back onto the scene, Electro is styling. Yeah, that's he's true. got this brand new suit, and this is not just like a suit. I understand that he was like hoodie man mm-hmm. with his sweatpants <laughs> and his shit and everything, but he comes back onto the scene, 
and he is able to dematerialize and materialize himself because he's pure energy, mm. but he is not able to manifest a fucking designer suit. If it was just a regular suit that was hanging around Oscorp and they just grabbed something off the wall, I would say fine. If it was not for one little detail, suit has got little lightning bolts on the side of the arms. Holy shit, when the hell did you have time to make that? Are you kidding me? No, I'm not. You're asking me my opinion. No, that's fine. But And I understand Like that's a, that's a weird thing, but like, let's go to the next thing. <laughs> okay, the next thing. The, um, the crowds. The crowds mm-hmm. in the, the the big opening scene. First of all, the the Marilyn Manson music inside of Electro's head when he's kind of losing his shit, mm. and he 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 loses his shit because somebody shoots at him. And Spider Man clearly he's standing in front. Of him. He was such a nice guy. He was confused. He was scared. No idea what's going on. I don't want these powers. I don't know what's happening to me. Somebody shoots at him, and he looks to his hero, who had nothing to do with it. That all of a sudden a switch flips in his head, and all of a sudden Spider Man is his is his arch enemy. A little bit of a stretch. Like we got to kick yes. the movie up, and we got to move oh, it yeah. along. Bad choice. I don't think anyone will disagree with you. The villain, yeah. that villain switch is weird. Okay. And, you know, granted, the crowds do disperse after a certain point. But holy, because they're dead. <laughs> yeah, but holy shit. There, are, there are, are billboards, marquees, shit blowing up all over the place. And there were people against those barricades forever and a day watching this shit go down. I don't care who you are or how interested you are in Spider-Man. You fucking run the other way and you read about it in the bugle the next damn day. You don't stick around waiting to get electrocuted just to see Spider-Man do his thing. That's one. And two is at the end of the movie with the rhino. The rhino is in the middle of the fucking street with Gatlin guns in his suit, firing into openly into crowds. And again, they're there. Yeah. And they're chilling. Yeah. Get the fuck out of the way. You know? like Yeah. That, that, that both of those things, that, that one I definitely too. agree with you with. That last they, scene... And- yeah. And the kid, too. Like, that was a really great scene. But the police can restrain a mother, but they can't restrain the, <laughs> the child. Yeah. Yeah. And then He's two nobody... foot ten! Hold on, Brian. <laughs> no, 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 no. Kid no, gets... That... Yeah. Nobody stops the yeah. kid, right? And then they're like, you know, to me, those cops... W- somebody, anybody, would have been, like, risking themselves to get the- pick up that kid and take him back behind the barricades. But everyone's like, oh... Hold up, no fire, don't fire, don't shoot the kid. Yeah. Like, you know, no, nobody goes to grab the kid, and especially considering that Spider-Man had been absent from action for something like five to six months, that they don't know that he's going to show up conveniently at that very moment to rescue that kid, that nobody went to go and pick him up, all, you know, uh, 28 pounds of him or whatever, and to get him out of harm's way and I just, that moment was very sweet. And I understand he, he represents a symbol. Spider-Man is hope. But the rhino waits for him to have like a chat with the kid yeah. and give him a little fist bump. And then it's action time. And it just, it, it those things kill me. The, the idea that Peter Parker uh, and, and Harry are supposed to be these great friends and none of that was established in the first film that all this cloak and dagger shit going on in the first film with getting into the Oscorp building when he has a history with the people that own it, thought that was a little weird. Um, Harry coming back to his father and his father bitching him out for being a disappointment, he sent him off at the age of 10. You were disappointed with your 10 Well, Norman's not a very nice guy. 
I know. Oh no, he is, he isn't a nice guy, and he's a he's Harry's a huge disappointment to him. But he's not enough of a disappointment to leave him his entire legacy that after he ejects himself with the spider serum, not knowing what it's going to do, that the door conveniently opens up to all of the Green Goblin shit at that very moment. And Harry knows how to work all of that stuff for the sake of the final moments of the film. Well, yeah. All you of the villain stuff is not good. We, yes. Yeah. 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 No, but you're like, like yeah. you know, like yeah. stuff that, Absolutely. St- stuff that takes me out of the movie. Yeah. And just one more thing and then, and then we can move on. I have more, but I'll, I'll digress. The thing, cause I, I, I teased it before. I'll explain it. The thing with Aunt May and, and the talk, I thought the talk was lovely. I thought the, the, what she means to him was great. But the reveal of what was going on with his parents to me was completely unrewarding for me sitting in the audience when she's like, you know, tell me, tell me, you got to tell me. She's like, okay, I'm going to tell you. Right after they dropped you off, about two weeks after they dropped you off, some guys came to the house and told me that your father was a bad man. Mm-hmm. The end. And it was, what? Really? Oh, okay. I just, all of that for that. Oh, yeah, but it was for Peter. I understand that. It was not rewarding for She wasn't me. talking to you. Right. <laughs> and then, oh, God, I have more. Who makes a video for their son and then keeps the key to finding that video, the coins, inside of the calculator? Well, it's not for Peter. It's for, like, somebody to find to, to uh, you know, vindicate yeah, his, but, his legacy. But when? When, when is somebody going to break open that calculator and figure out that puzzle to go down into the subways and, and find that shit? Well, I don't think that he expected to die on that airplane. I think that's the real thing. No, that's... I don't think he was leaving, like, a, a breadcrumb trail for somebody. He just, just so happened to turn into that. Yeah. Um, but, I yeah... This mad scientist lair was a bit much. It was, I yeah. The, the, I didn't the, know sh- he could raise the subway. Is the subway coming out of the thing? <laughs> Very comic booky. Ru- <laughs> Ru- Russ Fisher from uh, Slash Film tweeted that I want to see the movie by the guy who maintains that subway. Facility. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I replied saying it'd be a less sexy true lies. <laughs> Stephanie, you're going to say something. Yeah. You know, like I did have some issues with it. I, I don't think I as vehemently <laughs> hated it as, you know, uh, some people, but like it, I don't know. I did have issues with a lot of, there was a lot of simple rewrites to make things fit into place better. And it just seemed like the script itself was rushed to get the movie, you know, um, out in a certain time, mm-hmm. which is obviously a thing. They want the movies to be uh, out in a timely fashion to kind of stay together with the hype, mm-hmm. keep up with the hype. And hold on to their I contract. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, like, there were a lot of easy solves that just kind of took me out of the moment. And the music, again, coming back to that, was just... it. It just took me out even more. But I kind of actually want to point this out. Um, I hated the music, but my friend, uh, the part where they're at the um, the station mm-hmm. and Electro's going through all the um, oh. coils. Yeah. So the music that's playing was like that weird dubstep thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But my friend pointed out, and if anybody goes, yeah, duh, I'm going to feel really stupid. But um, she was like, I think that was the itsy bitsy spider. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, the coil. yeah. yeah. Yep. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. Yep. Don't feel bad, Bob. Okay. Actually, I knew that it was something, but I was so distracted. Bob actually had to point that out to me. So don't worry <laughs> yeah. about it. I was so annoyed. I was like, "What is this shit?" <laughs> um, 
but I, I thought that was actually kind of cool. Yeah. Um, despite I hated the dubstep. Um, and Electro's voice drove me insane. Every time he talked, it was like cringing. I was like, oh, stop it. It oh, hurts my brain. But I mean, um, and my final thing, most of, I think a lot of my problems, again, like aside from easy rewrites and things that could have been fixed, um, all of the Electro stuff could have been cut out to make the movie a good hour and a half. Mm-hmm. That's never going to happen in these movies. I disagree. This is never going to happen in these movies, though. <laughs> yes, I know. But my point being is, like, in, you know, the Blu-ray, I'm going to make my own cut of this movie where all the electro scenes get taken out. And <laughs> Chapter then, skip. Yeah. <laughs> Super it, cut. A lot of it just, he ha- he served no purpose. He didn't really move the plot along. And, like, how he gets from point A to point B um, in terms of being... You know, whatever. It's my birthday. <laughs> Call me Mr. Luthor. So stupid. Yeah, the thing about it to me is like, I just wish, I wish they had gone even less with him. I wish that he had just kind of been, I'm a bad guy. I'm doing stuff. Cause I didn't yeah. need the opening stuff with Max. I just, that's, that's all I wanted. You know, we, we have this talk. We had this talk a lot of, or about when like the DC books come out, came out and when villain books come out, I don't, need a backstory always mm-hmm. yeah you know i don't need a reason why these people are evil some people are just fucking evil deal with it yeah unless and, it's a great backstory i don't need it yeah mm-hmm. and it wasn't a great backstory in fact i think again that's what really destroyed electro well that's what hurt the plot. character yeah yeah was the mm-hmm. fact that he was he was a great dude mm-hmm. he was a dude of questionable mental stability right <laughs> but he was a good dude mm-hmm. and like it was just really dumb how they kind of, you know, reworked all of that. Well, yeah. he was he was super kind of super relatable in certain ways at the start because he was a man that just wanted to be seen and mm-hmm. just a man that wanted to be heard. Yeah, I mean, he was off of his rocker, but he was a good guy, mm-hmm. and everybody mm-hmm. treated him like garbage. Yeah, like especially when they're like, "Oh, you got to go and fix this up yeah. on Tower Thirty Two. It's like, "But dude, it's my birthday." Well, guess what? Nobody in the elevator gives a fuck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know? yeah, yeah. And I, just, he, I he, he should listen to the Patton Oswalt bit about birthdays because I mean, you, you don't get a birthday. <laughs> yeah, you know, once you're past twenty-one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Except for like milestones. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Every ten years. Yeah. Was that Spider-Man? Oh, you could help me blow up the candles you, on my birthday. Yeah, yeah, he was a little crazy. Yeah. But why don't you yeah. close this out with some spoiler talk here? Sure. One thing to me, we're talking about fixes that actually goes back to the first movie. At a certain level, Peter stalking Gwen. Mm. Oh, it's yes. a it's a little kind of Superman Returns creepy. Oh, his, I didn't find it creepy at all. His see, room, dude. His no, room, all those with the photos pictures all and everything. I didn't find it creepy at all. And and, and where it should have where it changed for me for. Spoiler alert for another really old comic. I think it's Spider-Man 83, 85, <laughs> somewhere. Captain Stacy dies in a battle with... Well, he's not battling. Dr. Octopus is making a mess of things. Mm. Captain Stacy saves a little boy and a chimney falls on him and he's laying there a broken mess. Spider-Man swings over to him while he's dying and as he's laying there, he looks up into the masked face of Spider-Man and says, Peter... Look after Gwen. Mm-hmm. Not what they have him say in one, and then he's always disobeying what he says. If we l- had that line intact as it should have been, <laughs> Peter now looking after Gwen by stalking her and trying to look after her is now fulfilling the wishes of a dying father. 
And how touching is that as opposed to creepy, stalky guy with pictures of Gwen all over his the room? The cockblocking ghost of Captain Stacy. I didn't find it. I didn't find it creepy at all. And yeah. I, I, I don't mind the switch with, with the Captain Stacy thing. I think those moments where he kind of sees them, I think, are really affecting uh, oh, you, for you me. Oh, you could have seen them. Yeah. I, I had no problem with that. Mm-hmm. But the, the idea that Captain Stacy knew who Spider-Man was without having to see him with his mask mm-hmm. off, it was, he was a really smart guy. Yeah. And they actually sort of teased at that when they were having dinner mm-hmm. where he says to him, we used to seem to know an awful lot about this guy with yeah. over there, Branzino or whatever yeah, it is. Yeah. It's yeah, you, what, what do you know? Yeah, nothing. I'm yeah. just a fan. You know, mm-hmm. he's gonna he'd go to there, and, and that's just it. It undercuts that a little bit for me. So I had mm. some problems with that. I didn't like the music either. Mm-hmm. I, as soon as well, the first things I wrote down was, "Gee, this this opening theme is crappy." <laughs> Where's you know, I miss Danny Elfman because mm. having just watched those other ones, boy, that was just so. Oh, great. I don't like the music in any of the Spider-Man movies. Really? really? No, oh, I love that. I don't theme. like any of them don't like Nickelback? <laughs> and they say that a hero yeah, could yeah, save yeah, her. Yeah. I got a cake. Admittedly. All right, we're, we're devolving. <laughs> the, the rhino reveal, I love Paul Giamatti. Mm-hmm. The opening sequence, yeah, he's just thug. Yeah. Great. That that Transformers outfit he's in is mm-hmm. just awful. Yeah, I don't like the way it's laid out. I don't mind if it's a robotic suit. I just don't like the way they ended up designing it. But yeah. I did like, I thought the last moment of the movie where you know, he like knocks the missiles away and yeah, then oh, it, that it, was it cuts when he's about to hit him in the face. I thought that was a cool way to end the movie. You guys um, should look up, and sorry, this is just quickly talking about the costume design. The original concept art for Rhino in this film yeah. was mm. actually really cool. And the Spider-Man suit was actually like, Miles Morales inspired. Yeah, we uh, we uh, I tweeted it out for Talking Comics today. Yeah. Some of the oh. early sketches. Yeah, it's like the original uh, Green Goblin one they have when they actually had the mask. Yeah, they'll never do it. Never do it. <laughs> Anima- fully animatronic. Yeah. and I'm sure Willem Dafoe's uh, agent went. Yeah. Uh, no, Paul Giamatti being a little floating head inside of the chest. Yeah, it was, it was like a, it was like Iron Man. You know, with a uh, yeah with um war machine. What if he didn't yeah. want to be the Rhino? Like, what if he what if he preferred like the vulture wings or the mm-hmm. octopus? <laughs> you know, and they're like, you get to be the Rhino, yeah, dude. Yeah, that you get, man. You get the big suit. Yeah. You're a big guy. You get yeah. to be the Rhino. You couldn't fly. <laughs> you know. <laughs> I'm just picturing the Russian R for Rhino. <laughs> the backwards, um, backwards yeah. well, opening scene was so okay, good, though. Can I say one more Please. quick, quick nitpick? The the scientist at Oscorp that was like the exaggerated crazy German. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dr. Yeah, I'm going to experiment on you. Yeah. Like, that wasn't Hank Azaria, right? No, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but you can it, see why I would think that. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Oh. That guy, I couldn't stop laughing when that happened. He was like a oh, character from Rocky Horror. That's what he felt like and, to me. Yeah. And I'll just, the kid, again, I didn't want to say this like at the beginning, but those kids that were sitting in front of me, you know, like Gwen mm. Stacy died and the kid's like, is Spider-Man dead? And I wanted to be like, no, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to torture you, Electra. You, you'll, you'll, you'll be a great mom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, Brian, let's kick it back to you. Take this thing back over. Okay, well, um... It's, if you're listening live, it's currently 4.30 a.m. Eastern Standard <laughs> um, Thank you very much for listening. And uh, talking movies and talking comics are together this week. Uh, but talking comics does have something they want to announce. Mm. Isn't yes. that true? Yeah, Stephanie, why don't you talk about it? Because you're the one who kind of came up with the idea. Um, so I'm assuming this is about the website. Domain. Um, yeah. so it's, we... just, it's just about you. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, <laughs> so we're currently, as you guys know, uh, talking comics fans, that is, um, we, we've been trying to put together a pod fund um, that's temporarily kind of just put aside for now because uh, 
the domain for talkingcomics.com has come up and we're talking comics everywhere. You know, we're talking comics on Twitter, spoilers, uh, <laughs> talking comics on Facebook. And we would really like the domain to go along with, um, you know, our brand and, uh, you know, that that's going to help us get new readers, because how many of you guys have just typed talkingcomics.com into the address bar? Admitted all of you. <laughs> um, anyways, so the point being is we're trying to raise money to buy the domain off of the person who currently owns it. Um, it's not as simple as just buying a domain for like $10 on the site because somebody does, again, currently own it. And we have two weeks to put together the money. Um, so right now, because, you know, a pod a pod fund or Kickstarter or whatever takes about a month to actually, you know, fulfill. Um, we're asking people to donate to our PayPal account um, that's on the website. Um, we're trying to raise $1,100 uh, from almost two weeks as of Tuesday. So I assume everyone's listening to this on Wednesday. Um, so if you guys can even donate like a dollar, we're not asking for like, you know, 50 bucks or whatever. And I realize it's not like the Kickstarter or the pod fund and we don't have any rewards or anything um, to give out at this time. But if, if you guys have anything to spare and you can help us out again, this is a passion project and the whole site comes out of our pockets and, you know, as much as we'd love to put all of our money into buying the domain, that's not feasible. So if you guys can help us out, I mean, that would be fantastic. The details are up on the website if you want to read it in a more coherent fashion. Um, and it's just titled Help Out Talking Comics. <laughs> yeah. And I, I would say the same thing I say to people about, you know, sending emails or sending tweets. Like, you might think that a lot of people do it and that it's just kind of, oh, well, you know, they'll get tons of responses or this and that. Like, your $1 is huge. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Your your $1 is huge and your, you know, 60 to 90 seconds it'll take to do that is enormous. And and we would be very, you know, thankful for that. Similar, go ahead. Sorry. No, I just wanted to say, you know, and it might seem like a silly thing to spend this much money on. But, you know, there's a lot of there's you guys might have seen like from our Twitter or whatever that there's a couple other talking comics, uh, vlogs and podcasts and websites kind of popping up. And in order for us to kind of maintain our brand we kind of need to be on top of stuff like this so that, you know, we can continue getting like the best viewership and readership possible to kind of keep being able to bring you these shows and all this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I hope Mm -hmm. that makes sort of sense. Technical stuff. SEO. (laughs) No, but it's awesome. Yeah. I mean, guys, and already we've been, already been running it and we're recording this Tuesday night. We've already been doing it for a few hours and we've already had a really nice response and we're not there. We're not, you know, but we're we're getting there, and any more. Thank you to everybody who's already donated because you guys are amazing. Seriously, and we have all your email addresses, and we'll, we're going to respond to you all individually and send you thank yous, and and we hopefully find a way yeah. find a way to give you something to, to pay you back for for you guys being so generous to us. But thank you guys so much, and uh, I don't want Brian close out the show. He's going to tell you all all the information for his show. I just want to get out this out really quick at Talking Comics on Twitter, you know, um, podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com. And talkingcomicbooks.com is the website. You know, get in touch with us. Let us know. Um, and, and just talk with us. And if we're getting new listeners out of this, awesome. And if you guys are our regular listeners and you and you like Brian and Chris, please um, subscribe to their show. 
talking movies. They do. It's awesome because they do a lot of movies that you won't. They're not just doing the movies that everyone else is doing. They're doing different movies. They're doing themed weeks, and it's really cool to hear a Martin Scorsese week or uh, or whatever. So check it out if you guys have a chance because it, it, it's turning into a, a really really good show. Th- thanks a lot, Bobby. Of course, um, of course. So yeah, we're uh, we're we're done. It's only been you know. A fortnight. Yeah, this is a regular. And this is a short talking comics. It's a, it's a short yeah. talking comic show, but it, but, but it is uh, it's a bit different. Chris is gone. By yeah. the way. <laughs> Chris has has taken off to eat a wonderful dinner prepared by his fiance. However, I'm still here. Mm-hmm. So uh, again, we want to say thank you for uh, sticking with us. Um, this episode, I know it's a lot longer than you're used to, um, but these guys are awesome. And if you're into comic books at all, uh, please check out their show. It's incredible. And uh, they've been doing it well for a very long time. Um, TalkingComicBooks.com is their website. Talking Movies Podcast is ours. If you found us uh, via that site or somewhere else, um, that's where you go to get the show. But the easiest way is on iTunes. You can just go to Talking Movies on iTunes, find us, subscribe. Never have to worry about uh, downloading it again. It'll come to you every week via your RSS feed. Also on Twitter, we're at Movies Talking um, because, you know, we're in a similar boat. We don't have at Talking Movies because someone else does, but we can't bribe that guy. <laughs> so at Movies Talking is how to get a hold of us. And uh, please hit us up. We'll do the short form talking all day long. But if you want to give us a longer response, Talking Movies at TalkingComicBooks.com is the best way to get a hold of us. So. Uh, with that, I think we're done with the Amazing Spider-Man Two and uh, and our little crossover promotion. What do you guys think? I think we're done. <laughs> <laughs> Rock and roll. Thank you all very much, uh, Bob. Yeah. Say good night. Oh, say good night. Personal twitters? No. Oh yeah, oh, you didn't do your personal Twitter there, Brian. Yeah. Personal twitters. Yeah. I, I, I'm all I'm all discombobulated because I'm literally <laughs> staring at a blank microphone. Uh, <laughs> uh, Chris, if you uh, enjoy Chris, he's at Ollie Twist thirty six A O L L I E T W I S T three six. I'm at Brian Verderosa B R I A N V E R D E R O S A. Bobby at Bobby Shortle. Very simple. <laughs> I'm not spelling it out. <laughs> I know. I, I was giving you the opportunity. Um, Ms. Cook. I'm at Hello Cookie, <laughs> which is as easy as it sounds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Steve? Mine is at dead underscore anchorus on Twitter. And Bob, Twitter is a social media service <laughs> that I've created heard. back in 2007. Yeah. <laughs> in, 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 <laughs> Email address, Bob. Bob Ryer at talkingcomicbooks.com. <laughs> Both Bob and Ryer are palindromes. Yes. <laughs> just, so, just so you can, you know. Just to clear that up. My God. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, my God. You. anyway thank you all very much for listening uh talking comics thank you for letting us hijack your show you're very welcome sir and we'll see you all next week have a great week peace